Coming soon in the summer of 2021. The Jeep Talk Show will release its 500th episode. Not only will this mark a milestone for the show, but will also be the start of something completely new. Yeah, it also will all be familiar, I think. Maybe. Supposedly. Stay tuned to the Jeep Talk Show for a big announcement in the next few episodes. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network Podcast. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show with Wendy. There will be body damage. Jeep Mama. Are you sure? Josh. Yeah, I don't think so. And Tony. I think that's a huge deal. So sit back, strap in, and brace yourself. So this week I want to diverge from what I normally say. I just want to big uh, send out a big shout out to Chris Godwin over at uh, South Fork uh, Chrysler Deep Jeep Dodge Ram. He had a major heart attack on July the 4th and uh, he went into surgery. I think it was Monday or Tuesday, uh, quadruple bypass. Uh, and uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, it was it was nice to see the announcement about the major heart attack from directly from Chris. That's not well, that's something oh. you normally see. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. not usually. Well, it's, it's usually a family member. Yeah, it's a family member yeah. saying we're sad to announce. And yeah. uh, so I was happy to see it was from him. And uh, so uh, this, uh, his, his wife, uh, I believe it was his wife, gave an update. Uh, the After the surgery, he came through just fine and uh, is uh, <laughs> having some mandatory rest, apparently, after uh, having made your yeah, surgery. Major heart surgery. <laughs> so, wow, uh, I'm glad he's doing well, though. That's wonderful news. Yeah, if you want to cheer up Chris, go over there and, and buy a Jeep Gladiator or a Jeep Wrangler, uh, South Fork uh, <laughs> Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram, and uh, it'll cheer him right up. So I guess that means Deadpool's got double duty then, huh? Got to work just <laughs> twice as hard. He's running. Uh, he's running amok over there. I'm sure nobody's yeah. watching him. <laughs> Lots of cakes, fun, you know. Exactly. Hello, fellow Jeeper. I'm Josh, and on this episode of the Jeep Talk Show, I'll be telling you about an epic fail involving a police Jeep. I have a feel-good story about Jeepers in uh, helping other, helping out other people, at least. And we may have, a say, have to say goodbye to a certain bird. More on that later. I'll also have a little bit of a tip for those who need just a little bit more volume. That's coming up later in the show as well. And howdy, it's Wendy. And in this episode, I share the things needed for a first-time Jeeper. Hi, I'm Jeep Mama, and in this week's Jeep Life episode, my top five must-have moments when you go camping. (laughs) Oh, no. Hey, I'm Tony, and I'm going to tell you how to save hundreds of dollars on your new Jeep Gladiator. Yes, that's hundreds. Wow. Spelled with a B. (laughs) Local Jeep News, National Jeep News, and news from around the world. It's This Week in Jeep. Well, I, when I read this story and went through it, I, I only there was one thought that came to my mind. It's an old bumper sticker that I, I had on my skateboard when I was like, you know, 15, 16 years old. And in big, bold letters, it said, bad cop, no donut. <laughs> so we'll, we'll get we'll get to why that it got brought up here as we go through the story. So on December 28th, 2020, a Denver, Colorado detective named Baum, I know, kind of weird, uh, reported to the Arvada Police Department that his police jeep had been stolen earlier that morning. Baum told Arvada investigators that his department-issued AR-15 was hidden under some blankets and backpacks in the rear of the Jeep. A written command letter determined Baum violated two department policies. 
One for failing to secure a, quote, department-issued utility rifle, and the other violation was for leaving the keys to his department, uh, Denver Police D- Department vehicle in his garage, allowing the Jeep and, of course, the items within it uh, to be stolen. The recommendation what? from Internal Affairs was an 18-day suspension for the stolen AR-15 and a three-day suspension for the careless handling of his car keys. However, the Chief Deputy Executive Director for the Department of Safety, Mary Dulaki, overturned the police chief's recommendation to suspend a detective. Baum said on December 23, 2020, he backed his police jeep into the right side of his garage right next to his wife's car, which was also backed into the garage. Baum then said he parked his personal vehicle in the driveway in front of the police vehicle, quote, nose to nose, outside the garage door. Baum remembered that he had removed his keys from the jeep and left them in his work jacket on a refrigerator next to the door inside the garage before entering his home. Okay, everything seems normal there for the most part, pretty much on par for what a lot of us would probably do. On December 28, 2020, just after 5 a.m., Baum reported that he had heard two vehicles leaving at a fast rate of speed in front of his residence, and when he went outside, he discovered his garage door was open and his police vehicle was missing. Upon further investigation, he found that his wife's vehicle had significant front-end damage because the thieves had sideswiped it to uh, to drive out of the garage without hitting Baum's personal vehicle parked in the driveway. In addition to the AR-15, the stolen Jeep contained three loaded AR-15 magazines, a tactical vest, two plates, a tactical helmet with a flip-down visor light, and a high-tech radio. Turns out the thieves had found Baum's garage door opener in his personal vehicle in the driveway. No. So easily discovered, one might ask? Well, apparently, Detective Baum's wife said that she had left her husband's vehicle unlocked after driving it the day before. Way to go, wife. On January 11, uh, AR-15 with only one fully loaded magazine was recovered in Douglas County during the arrest of an individual on drug and weapons charges. The police vehicle was recovered a few weeks later on February 4th in Denver, but investigators found no fingerprints and said it had appeared the vehicle had been sprayed down with a solvent and then wiped down to cover the tracks of the thieves. At the chief's hearing on May 26th, Detective Baum explained that on December 25, 2020, he had began his rotation as the on-call detective for the District 2 Narcotics Unit. The on-call status requires him to have his vehicle parked with all the necessary equipment in it should the need arise to respond to a call at a moment's notice. Well, okay, that pretty much explains where and why everything was in the place that it was. Now, the internal, affairs investi- right, the internal Affairs investigator determined that Baum failed to secure the AR-15 to prevent it from being stolen and was careless with his car keys. But Dulaki wrote in her discipline order that because the vehicle assigned to Baum did not have a lockable gun rack or a trunk for him to lock the AR-15 inside of, he could not be held accountable when he made a good-faith effort to at least hide the rifle under blankets and backpacks in the back of his Jeep. In addition, Dulaki found that because his police vehicle and keys were inside of a locked, attached garage, it would be unreasonable to fail to consider those steps as the functional equivalent of a locked storage device. As a result, Dulaki wrote that the chief of police written command ordering disciplinary inaction against Detective Baum is disapproved and findings of exonerated shall be entered for each violation. Wow. So let's boil all this down. The cop's wife screws up and leaves the car that has the garage door open it completely unlocked, giving the thieves the keys to the castle, as it were, which they, of course, capitalized on stealing the Jeep, gun, and a bunch of tactical gear, causing vehicle damage in doing so. And the cop gets off with hardly any disciplinary action at all. Do you think the same can be said for his wife? <laughs> Something tells me she will never get to live this one down. Oh, no. You, 
Well, either that or there's something else going on, and maybe she allowed that, the keys and everything oh. to be found. <laughs> yeah, it was I mean, like an inside job. You know, yeah. uh, the, the thing that stands out to me on this is is that the police chief needs to have discipline and needs to have the power to discipline uh, the deputies or whoever the other the police, uh, whatever they call the other police force in, mm-hmm. uh, in there. But they, uh, he, he's overridden. He or she, I, I guess, it, I don't know which one it was, but... Uh, was overridden yeah. by a, a government official, and that's not very yeah. good at, at all. Well, no. And also, it, too, it, it's uh, why? Why would she override that? It just seems strange. Well, I mean, because of, you know, he did not have a means yeah, to also, lock the AR 15 inside the vehicle. I mean, it's it impossible for him to do so. And, and he at least did take some measure to, you know, keep the keys from falling into the right. wrong, uh, wrong hands. Take it in the house. The wife, on the other hand, the wife, on the other hand, uh, you know, did not uh, quite as much yeah. in keeping the, the vehicle out in the garage, which pretty much had full access to the house through the garage door opener being completely un- unlocked. So, yeah, but I, 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 but I also want to say the I have kudos for the chief for standing up for her officer. I mean, today you don't see higher up supporting the troops, right? They're just sort of letting no. them get thrown at the bus. Well, so, and I think that, I like you know, that we're, she went to his defense and said, "Hey, this vehicle doesn't oh, yeah. allow for those rules to apply, so therefore he shouldn't be." I mean, yeah. Interesting. Hmm. Something tells me this Jeep uh, is in desperate need of a refit. Uh, I mean, well, why are you, you know, issued? Well, at, at the very least, right? So you're going to issue a, an officer, a detective, nonetheless, a, a right. Jeep by you know through the police department, and is it not sure. at least outfitted at all? If you're going to go through the trouble of putting the markings on it and everything else, and making it a quote unquote police Jeep, you gotta have why all not this go security. through? The, I mean, you, you you have to go through the, the the refit to install the lighting and the siren, the PA, you know, all that sort of stuff. I would imagine that there's got to be some other you know possible performance modifications to make this Jeep a little bit better than the other Jeeps that are on the road. I don't know. Uh, but on top of that, if the department is going to go through all this trouble, why wouldn't they at least make this vehicle capable of carrying the kind of equipment that this detective is required to have and in a state of readiness? You know, so I it don't, seems like the ball was dropped on multiple uh, on multiple yeah, levels. Yeah, it through. seems like there should have been something in there. If you're going to put uh, an AR-15, I mean, that's that's going to be a huge item for uh, for thieves to steal, even if it's in a cop vehicle. Now, I, wa- I don't know if it would fit in the space but uh, a, a former uh, interview that we did with Easy Trunk uh, might be a solution for this because they could literally put an Easy Trunk in the back of this this uh, JK, I believe is, is what that is, and uh, have a nice lockable area by just si- simply by uh, closing the uh, tailgate and locking it. However, the wife may have left that unlocked as well. So I, I will, you know, <laughs> that, that would have been all a, kind of a moot point because they had the keys to the vehicle once they yeah, got in the garage. Yeah. So, but but, but yeah. it answers the it answers that what could we do to secure the AR-15 under normal uh, secure conditions? Sure. Now, likely, even if there was a, a gun rack, you know, lockable and everything like that, uh, that this weapon could have been stored in, chances are the key to that would have been on the same right. keychain as the vehicle key, and it still would have been a moot point. So, you know, again, there's there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of is, uh, you know, kind of ifs and, and on the fence about a lot of things with this. Definitely a, a lot of uh, areas for improvement, things that should have been done or could have been done. But, you know, we're just armchair quarterbacking at that point. So, but very interesting story nonetheless. And, uh, and kind of an example of, you know, well, what could, you know, what's the worst that could happen? And, well, there you go. <laughs> 
so we got to say goodbye to a certain bird, and we're going to kind of find out uh, which bird that is. Now, it was introduced in 2018. It's the Jeep Grand Cherokee Trackhawk. I know, I'm kind of going a little far with the bird reference there. But it's among the most powerful mainstream production vehicles money can buy today. It's also impressively quick off the line with a 0 to 60 mile per hour acceleration time of just 3.5 seconds. Yeah, fast and the furious right there, right? No, unfortunately, you probably have just a few more months if you actually want to buy a brand new Grand Cherokee Trackhawk, as the track and strip friendly Jeep is likely going to be discontinued for the 2022 model year. Jeep is now gearing up for the production of the next-generation Grand Cherokee, and leaks from within Stellantis and Jeep are claiming that a new-generation Trackhawk most likely will not be happening. Originally, the automaker had plans for a new supercharged V8 model, but Stellantis, Jeep's parent company, is pushing very hard for a full lineup of electrification. Combine that with the EPA's ridiculous and ever-growing emission regulations, and you can see how Jeep is being forced to rethink its strategy. All because tree huggers and eco greenie nuts hate gas and diesel so much they want everybody on bicycles instead. Rumors are out of control on this, and right now the Trackhawk appears to be a dying breed. However, there are some rumblings that are saying that there just might be a new Trackhawk later in the new generation of Grand Cherokee's life cycle, but it won't feature a supercharged V8 powertrain, and it certainly won't be coming out in the first year or two. Instead, according to even other rumors, it may have or use rather a hybridized 3.0 liter turbocharged inline six engine with up to 525 horsepower and instant torque delivery thanks to the electric motor. While this number is nowhere near the 707 base horsepower of the current Trackhawk model, the gap could be filled by the hybrid technology and its power delivery. Another, less powerful, electrified engine is also in the works for the new Grand Cherokee. But what, it is, what is there to get excited about there? Uh, seen testing on public roads last month, the 4XE version will reportedly use the same electrified powertrain as the Wrangler 4XE. But with significantly more weight to move around than a Wrangler, I doubt that's going to be anything to write home about. So, I guess this is bye-bye, Birdie. Let me ask you guys a question. <clears throat> Wendy, what happens whenever we come up with a new technology that we have a, a power supply that is just nearly infinite and you can go any speed you want to? What do you, what do you think these whiny little bitches at the EPA are going to bitch about next? Zero emissions, but you can go just as fast as you want to. In fact, you can, you can achieve orbit with a thing if you want to. What, what are they going to bitch about next? That's, that's just too damn fast. You kids get off my grass. This, this, well, this, this whole thing just pisses me off. And here's the other thing. There's California especially is pushing this whole electric vehicle crap. Yeah. And guess what? They have power outages in the summertime. I mean, I right now we're, we're, we're being told to conserve water at 15%, you know, uh, and also electricity. They're being told not to charge your electric cars. I'm sorry. Excuse me? That, if that's my only vehicle and I have to get around and I have to go to work and actually pay taxes that I can help pay for this stupid infrastructure, but yet I'm you sorry, want me to not charge my car. Hello. That's what so, you eco-nuts get. I, that's I, right. Not you, so, not, I know that, no, that, I, that you're, you have you know a couple of brain cells at least well, rubbed together between those years. So the horrible I'm not part, talking to you specifically. But. The horrible part, part is that I found out, and I think, Wendy, you're one of the, the people that told me, is that the the Northern California is uh, doesn't really think the same way as the Southern yeah. California and no, they don't. Uh, the way the political <laughs> thing is. And what would be worse to me? At least I'm in a state where we have a couple of cities like Austin that are very liberal that I you know I can just go visit. Right. 
<laughs> but I don't really have to contend with. Uh, yeah. But you live in a state where you you have to go along with something that you probably disagree very uh, aggressively right. with. And, and there's a number yep. of people like that in California. I know I've uh, spoken to a few of them, and it's just like, good God, man, just move. And they say, no, I want to stay here and fix it. Um, man, I, I don't know. I just I don't uh, think there's fixing that's that that <laughs> yeah. stupidity out of Sacramento. I'm sorry, no. did I say that out loud? Oh, you that, can't. I, fix I think it's common <laughs> common knowledge. You can't. Anyway. So yeah, that's uh, yeah, very very interesting. We can go down a whole. We should dedicate a whole show to that topic. <laughs> to electric, exactly, and go. This is why it won't work, people. It, but I love, and I'll make sure I'm very clear on this. I love the idea of electric, the instant torque. That you get from zero RPM all the way up, it's it's a great off road thing. We do not have the power density for it yet. No, and it's we do not have forced. the grid to support that. Well, yeah, no, I'm absolutely. just talking about the, the the amount of power that's in the vehicle. If you can if you can get a a Jeep 300 miles driving normal <laughs> on uh, in a, a battery or a hydrogen or some new technology. Uh, yeah, sure, absolutely. Well, you know, I'll be happy to do it. But you do not. We do not have the same power density that we have in gasoline or diesel, no, and, and that's no. the problem. And and they're forcing this thing on on us before it's ready, well before it's ready. Well, and before the support system behind it is even ready. Yes, I sure. Mean, well, I, I, right in California, for example. California. There's an example. <laughs> Don't yeah. get me started. <laughs> Don't get me started. <laughs> A whole nother show. <laughs> so uh, there, there's one other thing in the story that, that I kind of just glazed over a little bit. I'm surprised that you, Tony, didn't pick up on it, that the inline six may be coming back. Oh, I didn't see that. I didn't hear that. I guess I was busy uh, doing things over here. So uh, the other option for the the future Trackhawk, if it is to come back in the next generation of Grand Cherokee, may use a hybridized three liter turbocharged inline six engine. Yeah, uh, four point oh or nothing, man. <laughs> you know, I'll take a I'll take a three liter turbocharged inline six. I'm just happy to see the inline six coming back in some variation. That's a damn, especially good engine. With, especially with when they're talking about knocking on the door of 550 horsepower. Now, I'd be curious to see what the torque is behind that and, and what sort of uh, extra comes with that with the electrification, uh, you know, being a hybrid uh, hybridized motor. I don't know. I just I, I, I got very excited when I read inline six with this. Uh, and so I've got to do some I've got to do some research, find out a little bit more about who's going to be making this inline six engine. Uh, where, where's the R&D behind it? Uh, what other vehicles is it going to be used in? Uh, I want some numbers. I, I need some I need some I need something to chew on, damn it. <laughs> so, yeah, this got me very excited and, and I, I can't wait to uh, find out if the Jeep is going to be releasing a, a new inline six. You know, there's probably a lot of hybrid systems that I'm not aware of. But I don't like the whole idea of uh, hybrid uh, systems to make your vehicle go because that's two things that can break. And, mm, and, and also, too, when the electric part of it breaks, or I'm sorry, when the internal com- combustion part of it breaks, the electric's not going to take you very far because we don't have or, the power density yet. Yes. Or when you, when you have no power because they're told to shut it off and don't charge your cars. That's when you pull out your Honda generator, uh, Wendy, and start charging your vehicle (laughs) (laughs) inefficiently. Gasoline. Gasoline power generated to recharge my my electric vehicle. Yeah, really smart people. Some some government official in uh, California has uh, invested in uh, solar panels, and that's what they're 
by the why they're doing all this stuff. So it could be I don't think it's investment here in California. It's called payola. No, no. Yeah, yeah, no, lining, exactly. that's what I mean. Lining the yeah. pockets. Yeah. Well, that's that's what yeah. I'm saying. They're, all they're you pushing have everybody towards wind, solar power. Wind, solar, and hydro, and and that's not enough to support the grid. Sorry. Oh, there's plenty of wind out there. They just need to put those uh, solar uh, uh, wind forms in front of the politicians while they talk. Stop it! They're already got the <laughs> stupid solar panels everywhere. They're destroying the desert with them. Again, yeah. don't get me started. <laughs> I know, I know, right? All right, moving on. So this is what it means to be a jeeper. This is this is what I call you know a, a group of poster children for 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 uh, being what it, you know what it means to be a jeeper. Uh, the group is called South Placer Jeep and Wheelers, and they spent a recent Saturday donating labor and equipment, clearing brush, and repairing fences on Loomis Town property that was severely overgrown. Now, overgrowth like this in this region in hot and dry weather can create a massive fire hazard for surrounding homes next to the property. So not only did the group cut in a new fire line or a bunch of new fire breaks, rather, they also repaired the fire department's access gate to the property. So that's really cool. In addition to all that, they even took some time to make some improvements and some updates to the nearby Heritage Park. So, cherry on top, right? The club's mission is to promote off-road, uh, off-roading as a safe family experience while serving local communities and preserving the natural environment. Now, that is what I call a Jeep club, uh, what a Jeep club should be all about. Now, South Placer Jeep and Wheelers is an all-inclusive, is, is all-inclusive, however, and their purpose is for Jeep and other off-road vehicle enthusiasts in Loomis, Penryn, Lincoln, and Rockland, Roseville, and Roseville, and other nearby areas to have a fellowship of like-minded enthusiasts to share the off-roading sport and community service. Now, the club promotes uh, recreational activities, fostering community service and vehicles using legal and sustaining methods while protecting and preserving natural resources and providing positive community relations. Now, that's a mission statement that I can really get behind. If you'd like to connect with or support this fine group of Jeepers or just get more information about what they do, we will have the links to their Facebook uh, page and website in the show notes for this episode at JeepTalkShow.com. So I'm assuming with those cities you name, it's Northern California? You know, I, I didn't recognize any of those cities. Uh, and yeah, I don't know where Roseville South Placer is, actually. So. Loomis and Rockland and Placer County are all Northern California. Oh, there but, we go. Well, But, but they could be somewhere else, yeah, too, so I don't know. Yeah, those could all be names in Texas. There's so many, yeah. little, so many little towns in Texas. Exactly. Well, if you have a news tip or response to any one of our stories, be sure to let us know what you have to say by phone or by email. Just head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact to find out how to reach out. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. You know, we've got something for every 4x4 owner at the 4x4radionetwork.com website. We have the On the Trail podcast. We have Trail Chasers, the Center Steer podcast, the 4x4 podcast as well. Lots of great off-road shows. It's all for free. It's all in one place. It's at 4x4radionetwork.com. We're even there, too. We'll see you there. You know, I always wanted to date a girl named Cherry. Um, Coming up in Tech Talk, we'll show you the way to get bigger, better sound from an older, better Jeep. You know, I read those comics. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> and the show goes. What? Down. Where's the noob? Noob, noob, noob. Hey, newbie, newbie, noob nugget. It's time for newbie nuggets. Well, when you're new to jeeping, there is the question of what do I need in my jeep that always comes up. Now, I covered this topic when I was new to the deep, to the Jeep Talk Show last year, 71 episodes ago. Can you guys believe it? Wow. It's been over a year wow. since I joined the show. Nice. I know. That's crazy, huh? Um, I, I realize that there are lots of newbies that join our show throughout the year, so I took a look back, and there are a few topics that I feel are relevant to share again and again. 
So the first question you have to ask is, what type of jeeping will you be doing? Are you driving fire roads, rock crawling, or mudding, or what are you doing? Now these basic items are a must for new jeepers. Toe straps. This is invaluable in case you need to get pulled out or maybe your buddy is the newbie and they need a tug. And you want an actual toe strap, not rope, with about a 20,000 pound rating or higher to do the job. Now you also need tow hooks and attachment points. Now this is called D-rings or shackles. If you get stuck or you're helping your buddy, you need a place to latch onto to get them out. You see the D-rings on most Jeeps front and rear that hang on the bumper and dangle and they make that noise when you're off-roading. Trust me, I know what that is. I personally like the soft shackle as opposed to metal D-rings. They're easier for me to operate and I don't risk having something break and a flying D-ring hit the Jeep or worse yes, someone. Now you're also going to need a basic toolkit. Now you'll need lots of, uh, you'll need a good set of tools. Now this also depends on your level of experience with said tools. It's great to have a great set, but if you don't know the difference between a screwdriver and a wrench, then perhaps getting with a buddy to learn will give you more confidence. Basic tools would include screwdrivers, wrenches, adjustable wrench, pliers, channel locks, and vice grips. Add in some gloves and shop towels or paper towels. Yep, working on a Jeep in the dirt could get messy. Adding in some unusual items like duct tape, zip ties, self-sealing silicone tape, and a ratchet tie-down will come in handy one day. And you'll be glad you had these items on board. Sometimes the goal is just to get off the trail and these tools may do just enough to get you out of there. Having a pad or old blanket to lie on is something every jeeper doing hard trails should have. At some point, you'll be glad you had something to lay on when you're under your jeep in the mud, dirt, sand, or snow. Now, you're also going to need a basic first aid kit. <clears throat> yep, things can go sideways quickly on the trail. A simple fall on slippery sand or rocks can easily need a band-aid. Now, basic kits can be found in most pharmacies, but get one that has lots of items, not just a few band-aids. And I've talked on other episodes about serious injuries that could happen on the trail that would require a trauma kit. But like all things, know how to use it. Needing it in a situation is not the time to be reading how to use the items. <laughs> You're also going to need a fire extinguisher. Now, this should be on all Jeeps. I realize the tiny one we have probably won't do much, but at least we have one on board. And most Jeep events require a fire extinguisher as part of the gear you need to have to participate in that run. And the extinguisher needs to be stored securely and easily accessible. Now, you're going to need some kind of communication, a CB, ham, or GMR radio. This is key to wheeling. At least one person in the group should have access to communication that works. Ideally, all Jeeps in the group should have a way to communicate between each other. But in some areas that we wheel, there is no cell service, so having a ham has been beneficial to getting help when needed. Now, you'll need a license for the ham and the GMR. The CB does not have the range that the other two have, but at least it's something. And depending on where you wheel and how far you plan to go away from civilization, a satellite phone may be something to look into. Now, a high lift jack you see on most of the Jeeps. However, I would guess very few people actually know how to operate one safely. This jack can get you out of some sticky situations, but you need to know how to operate it. It can inflict some real body damage to your Jeep and seriously hurt anyone close by. It's not something you need to add to your Jeep the first time out, but it should be on your list of things I need to add. Trash bags. If you listen to the Jeep Talk Show, then you know all of us are very big on pack it in and pack it out. Trash is a huge problem in the off-road community, and it is the reason that a lot of trails get closed. While most Jeepers are very attentive to this rule, there are those that think throwing glass bottles and not collecting their personal waste is someone else's problem. If you wheel, take your trash with you. 
You can listen to previous episodes and learn all kinds of ways to properly stash your trash while jeeping. And that goes for women, too. There are all kinds of bags that hang outside the Jeep off the spare tire to choose from. Be good stewards of the land and pick up your trash and any other trash you may find along the way, too. Now, all the items I listed should be dedicated to the Jeep and always on board. That includes checking things occasionally like the first aid kit to make sure it hasn't been raided. Bill always says, better to be looking at them than looking for them. Now, guys, I know we've discussed this topic before, but anything else you want to add? Yeah, secure your AR-15. Don't uh, just leave <laughs> laying in the back. Hey, part with, two. Covered with, uh, yeah. <laughs> with towels. I love it. So yeah, there, there, there's a there's a few things that I, that I want to touch on specifically. Now, uh, you you kind of already did about you know the first aid kit and and kind of keeping up to date with it uh, and yes. making sure that you know it hasn't been pilfered. But another thing, um, and, and that I'm I'm kind of talking about two different points here at once that you you touched on is is making sure that that, that w anything on this list is is an item that is dedicated to the Jeep. It doesn't come out of the Jeep and go in the kitchen cupboard. It doesn't come out of the Jeep and go into the medicine cabinet. It doesn't come out of the Jeep and go into the toolbox or onto the workbench. It right. stays in the Jeep. And and that's one of those things that like something like a first aid kit can actually uh, it can bite you in the butt. Now, you know, if your Jeep is parked outside, uh, maybe it's been a year or two since you've actually had to get into that uh, into that first aid kit, but suddenly you're faced with a trail repair and you slice your finger open. Now, you need to close that up. You need to wash it out, you know, that sort of stuff. You go to the first aid kit only to find that, you know, it's had something spilled in it or, you know, it's it's seen extreme temperatures and now the band-aids are all ruined or, you know, the antiseptic <laughs> ointment is, is completely liquid. So, you know, there's... there's uh, you, know, you got to have to do regular maintenance, I suppose, when it comes to checklists and things in your Jeep. There are things that will have a definite expiration date uh, and things that will need to be stayed on top of to make sure that they don't sort of degrade over time. And a first aid kit is definitely one of those. Hey, Josh, um, I, I'm, I'm thinking yeah. maybe a checklist um, where you take the the medical bag inside because a lot of that stuff needs to be in, you know, like room temperature or better. And uh, you you have a checklist, just like you would if you're going out to fly a plane. You go through that list. Oh, do I have my, my medic stuff? Do I have, uh, let me check the uh, the fire extinguisher, blah, 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 all that stuff that you do before you before you head off-road. I know it's more likely to that you're going to miss something, but at least that way, perhaps the stuff that you do have will be ready to go when you get there. Absolutely. I'm a big proponent of checklists and stuff, and there are a ton of great templates online uh, for you to sort of start with. Um, as far as, you know, uh, prepare off-road preparedness and, and, and checklists to sort you know, go over stuff with the vehicle, go over stuff with the list. And I honestly, you know, those are all really fine and dandy, but they aren't one size fits all. Uh, because every Jeeper is a little bit different and every Jeep is a little bit different. Uh, and every Jeeper's, uh, kit is a little bit different because of their, the, the region that they're in or their experience right. or, or confidence level, you know, all that sort of stuff is all Rating. going to determine sort of what's in your go bag. Mm-hmm. Do you go for so, a external uh, thermometer or uh, a uh, uh, anal probe? Is, oh, is my question. All the way, Tony. I guess it, I guess it depends on the crew you're going with. <laughs> boy, you look a little heat stroke. Let me just take your temperature up. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! I can't wait for that. <laughs> Moon <Yeah>. River. <laughs> so yeah, uh, trash on trail, having the trash ruse uh, on the back of the jeeps, or or even just a trash bag or two. I mean, even an extra grocery bag, if nothing else. Yeah. Just to keep you know the lunch and snack debris, 
uh, from finding its way uh, with a with a rogue breeze coming through the jeep. Suddenly, that you know that uh, a granola bar wrapper is is you know, you know well, three hundred down the trail. Let me so ask you this though: if everything is biodegradable. And there's wind out there. It, isn't that going to kind of take care of the trash on its own? Shouldn't you just, you know, let nature take its course? Everything is not biodegradable. Those mylar <laughs> wrappers that around the granola bar are certainly not yeah. going to break down over Wendy's the course starting of to vibrate. <laughs> no, <laughs> no Wendy's, I mean, you guys know, if you listen to the show for any period of time, you know that Wendy's out there all the time helping out and keeping that trail. She's a good steward of the land. And any, any jeeper uh, who likes going off-road, who likes enjoys being in the outdoors, should also be a good steward to the land and that is making sure that you know when you go into an area that is it is better than it was when you arrived when you leave Mm -hmm. uh so you're taking everything that you show up with you're taking it out with you and maybe some other stuff too and so that's why if you ever see something on the trail it doesn't matter if you've got 17 jeeps behind you stop and pick up that beer can Seriously, exactly. there's not a single guy or gal behind you that's going to fault you for doing that oh they're going to be on the horn move it Leave it there yeah, for the next guy. No, Don't leave it for the tail gunner on the horn because he doesn't want to get out and pick up any <laughs> oh, trash. Oh God, no! Right. You know it's hot outside. <laughs> oh my God! So there, there you go. There, I could I could go on. I could touch on some other things. You know the high sure. lift jack and and you know stuff like that. I mean, but you know you, you really hit it all, uh, Wendy. So you know, kudos to you for uh, for touching on all the bases. Good job. Well, and I thought it was good just to kind of circle back to the, did I say that out loud? Good Lord. Okay. I thought it was good to actually take a look at what we've done last year because this is a newbie section. And so we are going to have to repeat some things occasionally and try to make it fresh and keep it going because we have new listeners all the time. So oh, absolutely. You're, 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 yeah, right. you're, you're Tony's doing good. on my butt about <laughs> this constantly, but I've got this gene inside of me that was developed when I became a DJ for a living. And, and it's, you know, you never play the same song twice in a set. I know. And, and so I've got this thing where I never speak about the same thing twice. Gosh, or, you know, I, a 10 I year set. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, you know, 10 year set. I haven't covered the same topic <laughs> twice hardly. So yeah, yeah it, it's one of those things to where, you know, I've really got to work on that myself because there has been a lot of good content that we've covered over the years that I haven't touched on in eight or nine years, honestly. <laughs> so yeah, we've got to go back and, and readdress some of that stuff. But well, uh, thank you, Miss Wendy. Nobody likes to ha- have the realization that you're repeating yourself over and over again. So I, uh, I certainly understand, and, and both you and I are bad about that, Josh. And uh, whenever I'm mentioning to you is you've uh, had so much information over the years that uh, it's much much easier for me to say, you know, hey, regenerate some of that stuff uh, than. Uh, yeah. The, the crap I've come up with. <laughs> <laughs> speaking cool. of which, no. <laughs> yes, speaking of crap, well, do you have a topic or subject for Doobie Nuggets? I'd love to hear from you. Find us on YouTube, the Trails 411. Great contact with lots of tips, tricks, and techniques. Mm, yeah, I guess green jeeps are okay. So, randomly trying things to uh, intro the uh, Gladiator, Jeep Talk Show Gladiator update. get you some production value <laughs> to this segment. I, I, seriously, oh, I like I'm, I'm slacking I get to, on I'm getting, I, a, I'm getting to play things that we haven't played in a long... Oh, here, I like this one. You like this one, too. Nine times. Nine times. <laughs> nine times. Yes. I need to get the Bob Euchre just a bit outside. <laughs> just a bit outside. All right, so anyway, Jeep Talk Show Gladiator update. Now, when I was building the 2021 Jeep Talk Show Gladiator, I looked at all the options. Some of those options were very expensive, as you can well imagine. One option was much more expensive than I thought it would that it should be, the LED lighting package. 
So the LED lighting package is $1,095 for the 2021 Jeep Gladiator Sport S. It may be more or less for other the Gladiators, but that's the one that I got. Now, when I saw this price, I knew I could get third-party LEDs or aftermarket that were a fraction of the price from FCA. My knowledge of LEDs was uh, partially correct. <laughs> I found that the JT as well as the JL no longer use the 7-inch round headlights. Yep, they're 9 inches. Uh, the aftermarket hasn't caught up with this change, and that means the 9-inch LED headlights are anywhere from $250 to $750. Well, now that makes that $1,095 from FCA make uh, more sense now, doesn't it? Yes, and you should have listened. I mean, think about all the time you're spending searching, looking, finding, discovering this isn't going to fit. Now you got to fab something. How much time is that worth, Tony? I don't know. Well, I think you'll find when we get to the end that it was worth quite a bit. So a a third-party 7-inch round headlight uh, has been around for a long time with lots of companies making them, uh, causing prices to go down. At least that's my theory. Uh, Thankfully, companies are making brackets that adapt the 7-inch headlight to a uh, 9-inch JLJT. Uh, My concern then was, what do I do with that 1-inch gap between the bracket and the rest of the Jeep? Uh, well, there isn't a gap or none that I can see. I went from uh, the same. I went with some of the same seven-inch Cree LED headlights that we use on all three of the Jeep TJs here at the house. One set is over five years old, working wow. perfectly. Looks great. Wow. I know some people have complained about uh, getting moisture inside the the lens. Hasn't happened, and you know we float around here sometimes, so with so much rain. <laughs> So I replaced the headlights with the uh, X-Brite 7-inch, 75-watt Cree LEDs and a 9-inch to 7-inch adapter bracket. Uh, The fog or driving lights with a 4-inch round sport LED, uh, LED replacement bulbs for the DRL or uh, daytime running lights, and turn signals. For the taillights, I used LED bulb replacements for the brake and backup light. That kind of makes sense so far. I suppose, yeah. No, so I got, I got a question. Now, you, you mentioned, um, you know, for the fog or driving lights. Do you know which you have? Because they are two completely different lights. Well, you would think so, but they're, the term is used interchangeably when you're looking at these it, things. It is incorrectly, but... Yeah, I, yeah, I, no, it but I wanted to cover it that way. So, because if people are looking, to, looking these things up, they may see them as fog lights. They may see them as driving lights. Because I see white uh, driving lights and, uh, and white fog lights. Which no, you would fog think, lights will always be amber. Uh, I agree with you. Have a different, they'll have a different pattern. Now, yes, you will find on the on the web they will be interchanged back and forth as if they are the same thing. But for those who know, they are completely different lights. And I should <laughs> go back and redo that segment too about talking about the difference. Between, That's not a bad idea. Uh, and yeah, a lot of people don't understand what the, the what the yellow does for you. The yellow lighting does for you as far as. Uh, you being mm-hmm. more sensitive to ye- seeing yellow light. It really helps cut right. through stuff. But yeah, Josh has a good point there. But uh, just so if you're going to look uh, for uh, these bulbs uh, or these replacement lights, they, they could be either called fog or uh, driving lights. I, I, I consider them driving lights because they're uh, bright white. And that's oh, what I got. I was just was, ask which variety you got. So, okay. Yeah. yeah. So, no, I certainly went with, uh, with the, the, the same that was on there, uh, the, the white. Now it's just whiter with the, uh, the LEDs. Mm-hmm. So the result is a complete LED external light replacement. 
I spent a total of $243.93 with the majority going to the headlights and the adapter brackets. I think the headlights were shabby. Yeah, the, wow. I think the headlights you were. You saved a lot. Yep, uh, the headlights were a hundred bucks, and the brackets were forty-five. And I think the, for, the forty-five oh. for the brackets is, was a little high, but you know, it's all part of that uh, that sham thing that they got Quick going on. Question, Tony: Were those brackets made out of metal or plastic? Oh, very nice metal. I mean, uh, oh, okay, I, may, maybe aluminum, but it was nice thick stuff too. It wasn't like, oh, uh, wow, okay. you know, it wasn't like trim that you'd see on the older round headlights, like like body uh, metal thickness. It wasn't just you know sixteen no. gauge. No, they were they were very nice, and they fit uh, the the JT uh, exactly, uh, or the, the well, for the mounting brackets. That's a little bit of peace of mind too, because I don't know about you, but I it drives me bat s crazy to be driving down the road and somebody behind me or in front of me has a loose headlight, and it's like strobing <laughs> because it's, oh, it's yeah. moving, you know, it's jiggling a little bit. Yeah. Oh God, and now, now, I'm not epileptic or anything like that, but I swear I, swear, <laughs> I could be. But you could be. <laughs> Oh, uh, so, you know, if you don't want to get into, uh, get by doing the conversion, uh, what you don't get by doing the conversion is a DR, uh, DRL slash turn signal LED housing that looks quite a bit snazzier than what mine does with the bulbs. I mean, yeah, the, the, the LEDs, no, no, the, the LED one is, uh, it's got, I think it's got like a, uh, it's got white and yellow LEDs yeah, in the same got, little. Yeah, it's got the two strips. Yeah. yeah. You get one, no, one, I, no yeah. actually, I think they do it with this, the one strip, so it looks really cool. Almost looks like a Cylon uh, eyeball from uh, Battlestar Galactica. I know, timely <laughs> reference. But, uh, so it's really, it's really neat looking, but. Uh, was it, would it be worth, I mean, I think I spent like 25 bucks, uh, to replace those huh. two bulbs. I mean, those four bulbs and have led lighting. So, uh, Same. yeah, I mean, just keep that in mind though, in complete honesty about this, you do get different, uh, different led, uh, DLR and turn signal housing, uh, for the Jeep that def- definitely looks more futuristic than what I did. Uh, and the other thing is you, you don't get the led taillights, which are different than the incandescent taillights that I got. Now, by putting these uh, LED bulbs in, I don't have to worry about the incandescents uh, burning out or even right. uh, hitting something uh, on the trail while they're hot and breaking the filament. So uh, it's less likely I'll get pulled over for you know a headlight being or a taillight being out if it's LED. Uh, so uh, you know, so basically, you can get fancier looking set of taillights, uh, but to me, saving eight hundred and fifty one dollars and seven cents was well worth it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, seven I, cents, it merely makes a difference. That's it. Seven <laughs> cents put me over the top. I'm a believer. <laughs> no, seriously. I mean, when you're talking about, you know, getting virtually the same kind of uh, a conversion uh, to this, virtually every light being converted over to LED. Sure, the lenses maybe aren't quite the same, but uh, nonetheless, you, you're converted for nearly $1,000 less. So, yeah, well done, Tony. Well done. So uh, I will say this, my long-term uh, goal is to replace the 7-inch LED headlights with 9-inch LED headlights, you know, when those prices come way down and it makes sense. Mm-hmm. I will replace the taillights uh, with uh, uh, full LED uh, taillights, uh, the, complete, the complete replacement. Now, mm. if, you, if you have a Gladiator and you like the idea of a flush taillight, now this probably would preclude you from being able to use the uh, uh, collision avoidance system because that's kind of the reason why those taillights stick out anyway. But if you don't have that system on your on your Gladiator, uh, I really like the Oracle flush mount taillights uh, that, that's coming out. Uh, they wrap around and they have uh, yeah. they don't stick they're out. They're quick. really cool, but they're three hundred and ninety nine dollars. 
Ooh. So for me, that's a, a no. No. <laughs> Not <yeah>. right now. <laughs> now, Josh, I think you actually uh, came up with, uh, on a past episode, you mentioned some backup lights that go straight into the factory uh, Gladiator bumper. I believe it was 150 bucks. And uh, they, yeah, they, I think they just, the Oracle ones were a little yeah. more expensive than that. I can't remember. I thought the Oracles. I thought it was like Oracle that you talked about on the list. Well, I, I, I talked about the Oracles. They were on the list. Okay, uh, and I, I think, think that, that was they like the my, third one. They yeah, were more expensive. It was, uh, it, they're they were, 150 bucks. So that's what well, I thought okay. you were talking about that one. Uh, that, so I, very nice. I think those were my go-to pick because they looked better yeah. than, than a lot of the right. other ones. Um, and so I think that's why I kind of uh, paid special attention to those uh, because they had a different look than just about all the other ones out there. And it kind of something struck with me uh, with, with their design. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's why I... You I, can see I, the quality kind of, of their work, yeah. Oh, 100%. Oracle has been doing some great stuff with lighting for quite a while. So, I mean, they, they're not new to the game. They, these, these people have been around. They have a great R&D department. Uh, and they produce a good product, hence the price point on most of their stuff. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, Tony, I think you give it another year or two, you should see that price guy come down by at least 40 or 50%. Yeah, and these headlights are, are great. Like I said, it, it makes a huge difference on a TJ especially. Made a well, huge that was one difference. of the questions I was going to ask you was output. Now, I, a lot of the LED lighting that I've seen over the last year or two, it's bright, but it doesn't project. Doesn't go when you anywhere. look at it, yeah. it's like, God, that is bright. But when you're behind it, it's like, well, there's really not a whole lot of penetration with the light. It doesn't go out very far. And that's been a big problem with the LED lighting over, over the years is it just doesn't project. And so they've had to get real fancy with lens technology to make up for the fact that LEDs just are not as bright as incandescents as far as reach goes. I haven't seen that. Uh, in the uh, the LED headlights that I use, they're they're great. Nice. They're so much better right. than than incandescents. Uh, you can see further, clearer. Uh, I, I I mean, you may be right, but for me personally, uh, I don't see it now. Well, now I'm used to the, the LED too. headlights on the XJ, which are illegal on the road, and those definitely put out a lot more light. But also, too, when you're driving down the highway, you can see those overhead signs really good. <laughs> It's a, no, lot, light it's a lot. It's a lot of light no, everywhere. No, no sharp cutoff line. <laughs> no, <laughs> screw those people. Get the hell out of my way. <laughs> so yeah, but I mean, I, I understand what you're saying. Uh, but uh, did you ever uh, retrofit your XJ with LED headlights? No, I did the harness upgrade to make right. sure that I got the voltage going to those, and yeah. then I did a uh, an H4 convert or H4 yeah H4 yeah, conversion uh, on those. So um, I, I mean, I've got options and stuff, but no, I'm I'm not LED. Yeah, uh, I I got some uh, really uh, uh, cheap ones off of eBay that this guy had a, a YouTube video about, and oh my god, they were just so freaking, uh, you know, the whole story behind putting a volume control on them so I could turn them down. Oh, right, remember, remember? right. Yeah, because are these the ones where it's just like a five by seven, you know, standard headlight, you know, or whatever? But it is, but but it's just nothing but row after row after row of LEDs exactly. going down it. Exactly. Yeah, and, and, I've seen those, and they're Cree those LEDs. are real popular out here in in Oregon as well. Uh, I see them a lot on the XJs. Uh, but and they are, they are ridiculously bright. Yes. They have they have like no beam pattern. No. It's just like all light coming from the front of the Jeep. Forward, yes. forward is the beam pattern. <laughs> it's kind of like yes. it's kind of like a claymore <laughs> to point right. towards yes. enemy. <laughs> point this direction towards the enemy. <laughs> so basically, uh, you may hear people say you get what you pay for. I don't believe this is true. Do your research and buy what fits your needs and wants without wasting your money on something so expensive it makes it makes you believe it's your best option. The, this information on LED lights on your Jeep JL or JT 
uh, should be a good lesson. Oh, and uh, one other bonus. I paid cash for this upgrade, which means I pay for it once. Not once a month until the goddamn loan is paid off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> pay 18% on your headlights? You know, I don't think so. <laughs> Uh, fortunately, the the the, the loan uh, amount I think was like three something, three percent or something. So it's not so bad these days. But still, it's like uh, by, you know buying a a nice steak dinner on your credit card. Uh, that steak is a long gone memory by the time you're paying if you've paid it <laughs> off. <laughs> now I, I I both agree and disagree with your you get what you pay for. Oh, I know uh, you would. Now, in, 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 <laughs> in, in 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 this reference, uh, you know you get what you pay for. You're going to pay more to get brand new technology early, and and that's not necessarily a good thing. Um, you, you hear a lot about you know radio stations and, and stuff like that. How they will they will let the other um, bigger radio stations buy the newer transmitter or the or the newer mixer, you know, whatever it is, the new technology, and let them try it out first for a year or two to see sure. how it goes. Yeah. Before they go ahead and, and 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 invest in that sort of thing. Now, so when you get what you pay for, yeah, you're going to pay for something that you want to get before anybody else with a reasonable sense of mind and, and a limited budget will get you know we'll, we'll we'll get so in this sense you get what you pay for is is sort of a a two-way phrase uh in, in that but i do believe that going with the cheapest option every single time is not a good option uh and it will bite you in the butt especially when it comes to parts and tools it certainly can but the nice thing is it won't cost you much money when it bites you on the butt <laughs> <laughs> when you go out, and, might like it too. When, when you when you go out and buy those HDMI monster cables for you know two hundred and fifty two hundred bucks, you remember you remember that, don't you? <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember the yeah the HDMI cable craze, and it's like <laughs> that was you, insane. You kidding me, right? And people, you know, like, they no. they bought these expensive TVs, oh, so they had to have and they had to have the high dollar HDMI. Have, you know, no, and, I, and I figured that you said nothing. I figured that you said that you get what you pay for because you were going back to your old days of audio electronics and being, oh yeah, no, you need that uh, that amp that's uh, twelve thousand dollars because you know you get what you pay for. <laughs> uh, I was I, I did the installer uh, gig more than I did the sales gig, but uh, I like to come up front and, uh, and you know with my zip tie in my mouth and, and tools in my back pocket and, and play sales guy every now and again. I was the king of upsell. So if you are going out and buying a JL or a JT, or maybe you already bought one and you didn't uh, go for the $1,000 LED light package, there's hope. You can give uh, an updated look to your brand new Jeep, uh, an LED look uh, for almost nothing, nothing at all compared to what you would have had to pay otherwise. And uh, hopefully uh, you'll uh, this will work out as well for you as it's working out for me. Oh, and uh, we'd love to hear from you if you do do this, uh, how it worked out for you and what you think about it. Uh, and if, you, if you're curious about what they look like, uh, I've posted up several pictures uh, of uh, the, uh, the Gladiator in the various stages of replacing those LED lights. Instagram, Facebook, uh, people are getting uh, nauseous looking at all that stuff. So there's lots of uh, pictures up online where you can see that. Uh, just uh, go over there and check it out. So I got to give a shout out to some uh, good people that uh, interacted with the show here recently. Uh, some, you know, I couldn't really dedicate a whole segment to them or, or you know, set up an interview or things like that. Uh, but nonetheless, wanted to highlight sort of what they're doing and, and give them a little bit of a shout out. Uh, first one goes out to Carl Whalen. He's a co-founding president of Back the Heroes Rumble. Uh, the Back the Heroes Rumble is a recognized 501c3 charity organization located in Cincinnati, Ohio. They serve the entire states of Ohio, Indiana, and Kentucky's law enforcement, fire, EMS, and military communities. 
activities. Their mission is to honor fallen heroes from police, fire, and military through their annual car show, which is coming up on August 7th of this year at the uh, Batavia uh, Township Park in Batavia, Ohio. I will have a link to that if you want to uh, check it out or interact with this group or even support them as well. Now, there's another one, an email that came in uh, about a week ago, in fact, and uh, I kind of uh, dropped the ball on this one. And it was actually from one of our, our uh, loyal listeners and, uh, and a gentleman who is in the Zoom meeting, uh, Zoom room through our uh, campfire side chat virtually every single show here for, uh, for quite a while now. And that was Bob, Two Cheap Jeep Guys. He sent an email to us uh, highlighting the National Trail Cleanup, which is this huge event thing that's going on nationwide. And the goal of National Trail Cleanup Day, which is happening July 17th through the 18th, uh, it's a great uh, you know two-day event thing going on nationwide. It's to have groups across the country organize and participate in trail cleanups in their area. Then share the work with photos or videos in the National Trail Cleanup Day Facebook page. And so it's a really great way to sort of get people from all around the nation doing the same sort of thing with like-minded people on the same day, you know, and then all posting about it uh, all at once sort of thing. So basically the all the nation is going to get, get, get together uh, on the trails wherever you are. And I, I highly recommend that you uh, uh, get in on this um, and get a couple few people together. If nothing else, going out for a couple of hours to your closest trail system and just going on a litter run, if nothing else. And seeing if, they, okay, is there any litter we can pick up? How much did we pick up? What needs to be done? Is there a lot of erosion? Uh, is there, you know, some, some overgrowth that needs to be trimmed back or something like that? You know, anything that will help clean up the trail, make it better without sort of, you know, getting into excavation or, you know, breaking out the shovels and, and stuff like that. So National Trail Cleanup Day and, of course, the uh, Back the Heroes Rumble as well. Two great things happening here in the very near future. We'll have links to both of these in the show notes for this episode. Please go check them out. Oh, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong on this, Wendy. You need to be careful about what kind of trimming and stuff that you do on the trail, don't you? Because you don't yeah. want to, you don't want to make the decision that that, oh, that tree needs to come out of there. It's going to fall. Oh no, well, no, no, no! That's yeah. not what I'm talking for, about. When I say trimming. Yeah, yeah. No, I just wanted to. I just want to clarify. Yeah, you have to have approval from the Forest Service for major recovery. But certainly, going out and picking up trash, not a problem. I yeah. mean, you should be doing that anyway every day that you wheel. But that's a nice thing to do for the day. So make I, it an event. I guess any any uh, any advertisement's good advertisement, but even if it's negative, but I don't want to hear somebody go. Well, the Jeep Talk Show said to go clean up the trail, and now we cleaned out four forty five acres. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got seventeen cords of wood out of here. That's not what we said. <laughs> so we oh, got clarification. God, yeah, do not take that out of context. No. So Wendy, uh, I know you're you're always doing stuff uh, uh, out in in the John Bull area, uh, no, uh, uh, Gold Mountain, Gold uh, Mountain, Big Bear, whatever the hell it is yeah. that you mountain that you're on the trail system you're on <laughs> i know you're always out there and you guys are always probably doing litter patrols and stuff when you're out doing the runs and stuff but with the national trail cleanup event happening here uh is that something that you would get behind or try and organize at least a couple few jeeps to go out uh that specific day july 17th or 18th and do a little Absolutely. something or you guys have anything in the works yeah. at all or is something you maybe plan on doing we didn't. I didn't have anything in the works, but I saw the date and I was like, mm, we might be able to do that. We have our Jeep meeting next Tuesday, I think it is. So I'll bring it up and see if we can put together some people. And even if it isn't on that day, we can just use an, this as an excuse to spur on a date to go do that. So, yeah, right we'll, we, we would definitely be doing it. Not not even there's no question about it. Is that like a play date for the, the Jeeps where you take all the Jeeps and they, got, they can play together and then the adults yeah. go over have beverages and stuff? Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, now, I, Toby, get off that Jeep. You know, that type of thing. Typically around here, uh, there's a group called Solve, S-O-L-V, and uh, and they do a lot of big beach cleanups and, and stuff like that. But uh, they organize an Earth Day cleanup here in the in the Oregon oh, area for a lot of the trails. And, and it, so, yeah, you know, Earth Day, and it's it's April, uh, you know, second, uh, third yes. week of April around there. So, you know, uh, but uh, but nonetheless, I've, I've gotten in on that a couple of times, and they do other things as well other than just trail cleanup. They also do, like, tree planting and, and things like that where uh, you go back out and reforest an area, essentially. Pretty cool That's stuff. That's cool. Oh, and I'll just yeah, mention... There's, go ahead, Tony. There's a lot of Facebook groups down here in Southern California for jeeping or off-roading. They do a lot of uh, picking days throughout the year where they do cleanup. I mean, it's amazing. Out in the desert, people just think it's their you know personal trash pit. <laughs> and you see things like couches and cars and you know, no boats way. and things that are just dumped out Poor. here. It's ridiculous. So you see that posted all the time where these groups, these off-roading groups get together and they'll just have a day and they'll rent some dumpsters. They'll rent some bigger trailers or maybe these people already have the trailers. And you just see how much they fill in a day. It's sad oh, yeah. that as a society we just are you know we can't take it to the dump for some reason there's lots of dumps around to put it in but they yeah. just people are lazy and they're stupid and i think part of it is mentoring i think you know i push so much on that pack it in pack it out that if you're jeeping and you're leading a run or you're part of a group and somebody's littering or not picking up trash don't run with them again yes, yeah that gets a little bit of a different problem here in california for us but anyway so, uh, but up, but up yeah here, we're just yeah uh, up here, we don't have, you know, big uh, uh, off-road parks, as it were. We do have trail systems and stuff that no, it's are... Oregon it's Oregon. It's, it's the park. It's, you know, it's, it's all open. Yeah, the entire state is a big park yeah, uh, for the most us. part. But um, yeah. but we, a lot of the off-road clubs around here, the few that, that we do have, um, are, are involved as stewards of the land through a trail adoption program. And so, right. um, you know, uh, one certain group will have one trail, another group will have another trail, and once, two, three times a year, whatever, they go out and patrol their trail uh, to make sure that it's in good condition and, and if there's any upgrades or trail uh, maintenance that needs to be done or any litter that needs to be picked up and that sort of stuff. So, I don't know, Wendy, are you, do you guys sponsor any trails in, the, in your area? Yeah, we, we have three that we're responsible for. Very nice, three, three very trails, nice. So, yeah. All you guys out there, if you're involved in a uh, in a Jeep club or maybe you're just starting a Jeep club or something like that and looking for something to do, this is the kind of stuff that you need to be doing as a Jeep club, getting your members involved uh, with being stewards of the land and, and helping things out. All this is going to do is, one, make you guys look awesome, and two, yeah. it's, it's going to make sure that that trail system is going to stay open much, much longer than it otherwise would without your help. Well, and what I think it also does is people that maybe aren't aware that there's that much trash, when they see how much we collect and yeah. how big the bags are and how many bags we pull out and the kind of trash, it really makes each individual more aware. And I think that just helps that mentoring to make sure that when they're wheeling with somebody else or a different group, they're going, uh-uh, we're not, we're not dumping the trash because I'm not coming back and cleaning it up. So I think it's My really good that we, that we do these programs for sure. Absolutely. My first trail cleanup was the same sort of way. I was like, there's no way that we just pulled out this much trash out of just this area right here. And it, so it, was, it was staggering, utterly mm -hmm. staggering. And, and you didn't, I, I had been through that area a hundred times. I had no idea there was that much trash in there. But once you're, once you're, you know, boots on the ground, as it were, and you're actually on the trail, not driving it, 
uh, and, and getting off the trail a little bit as well, you suddenly see that there is, there's tons of stuff out there that you wouldn't or- ordinarily uh, know that was there. Yep. So I just want to mention that uh, if you guys have something you would like uh, to have announced on the show, you can do it really easy. All you have to do is just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and uh, look up our voicemail message, I mean, our voicemail number, and call in, leave us a message. I think you got like uh, three minutes that you can uh, yep, leave yep. a message Plenty there. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, if you've got uh, one of these events coming up, uh, there's there's no reason to have to wait on us, and hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll see your email, and hopefully we'll include it in the show. If you put it in the voicemail, the voicemail is going to be in the show. I mean, I, I think we've, I, even with all my forgetfulness and uh, missing things, I think I always get the voicemails into the show. So that's the a, a good 100% way of doing it. And I'll remind you that uh, you need to get that information into the show probably a good three weeks before the event just to make sure you have the most coverage, the most listeners that will hear it. Because it takes about a good 30 days for everybody to uh, listen to the most recent uh, episode. Of course, it's not the most recent after 30 days, but like uh, the one going out today, 30 days from now, it's going to be pretty much uh, well downloaded by that time. So try to get them in two to three weeks uh, prior to the event. Why did you become a paid subscriber to the Jeep Talk Show? Jeep Talk Show is in my weekly rotation. Look forward to it every week, each and every Friday. You can be a paid subscriber and help support the show you love, the Jeep Talk Show. I support a great podcast, been a lifelong Jeeper myself, continue to learn with each and every episode that I listen to. Just go to JeepTalkShow.com and look for the big yellow subscribe button. Absolutely. If you like Jeeps, anything to do with Jeeps, I like it for the, the technical, clear content, uh, advice, and learning. Attention all rat bastards. We are, uh, I think we're winding down on the uh, rat bastard toe tags and then the Jeep infections that we've been doing. For now. Uh, well, I think we're winding down because uh, all the ones that uh, the Jeep Talk Show had mailed out to our volunteers uh, are, uh, are being uh, all used up. So that means that uh, if you're going to continue to help or maybe you haven't done the infections, maybe you haven't been an infectious agent yet, you can go over to jeeptalkshow.com and look in the store and you will see for eight bucks, you can get your kit so that you can become an infectious agent and start infecting Jeeps. You just go over there, $8, we send you out the toe tags and uh, then uh, you get those uh, rats wherever you like to get them. Uh, we provide a link to Amazon so you can get them there. And for about a dollar a tag, you can have the fun of infecting Jeeps and uh, bringing a lot of pleasure to people. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a growing uh, wave of people out there that are not too happy with uh, the ducking of Jeeps. They, uh, they think it's too cutesy. And I don't have a problem with it. I think it's fine. But I think there's people out there that think it's a little too cutesy. And they like the edginess of the infection of the Jeep and the dirty rat and the nasty-looking toe tag that they put on the Jeep. People are really loving it. So if you'd like to tag Jeeps, but you want to do something a little different than a rubber duck, well, I think we got the answer for you. Yeah. I like that picture somebody posted recently of of a Jeep and the license plate was customized. It said no duck no or duck. no ducks or something yeah, like that. No yeah, that was funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's a cranky bastard to start with, but he's funny. Uh, but uh, uh, so anyway, we're going on to the, uh, we recently had some more uh, sub, uh, paid subscribers. 
We love having that uh, because of the paid subscriptions that we're getting. We're able to do a little, a few more things. Like, for example, uh, this weekend, uh, when you're listening to this, if you're listening to this on Friday, it'll be the next day. If you're listening to it on Saturday, that'll be the day. I'll be out at uh, Hidden Falls Adventure Park uh, near Marble, Marble Falls, Texas, in the 2021 uh, Jeep uh, Talk Show Gladiator, uh, hopefully meeting uh, some, uh, some listeners out there. Now, this is a Texas event. Uh, you can be anywhere. If you want to fly into the event, that's fine. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't waste my time because <laughs> it's the first one. And who knows what the first one's going to be like. But basically, just going out there to meet listeners, get a little wheel time uh, in the, uh, the Gladiator. Oh, and I didn't mention, I don't know if uh, if uh, you, uh, uh, Josh, uh, you and Wendy know, I have uh, lifted the Gladiator. It's uh, up on the two-inch Mopar I lift now. I saw that. And uh, so uh, no new tires yet. I haven't seen uh, or heard anything about the tires when they're going to come in, but we're ready. Now, uh, I had more than enough room to put 35s on the Jeep already, and uh, it looks kind of funny now. I've, I've got probably got enough room to put 40s under that under that Jeep with a, with a two-inch <laughs> lift. Uh, and, of course, it's not a two-inch lift. It's uh, actually more than that. I think it's around three and a half to four inches in front. Uh, but anyway... Uh, it's a, it's a lot more fun to drive. You can tell it's a lifted vehicle and you know, God bless it. That's just one of the fun things you can do to a Jeep. Not completely necessary. Uh, Jeeps are very capable, uh, straight from the factory, but it it just makes it more fun. You're, you're making modifications to the Jeep that kind of make it different than, uh, the other stock Jeeps. So, uh, getting back to the, the main message here, uh, please jump over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact, look and see how you can become a paid subscriber. And, uh, you'll also get to pick what merch you get for becoming a paid subscriber. If you pick, uh, one of the, uh, the two higher end, uh, paid subscriptions. So, uh, if you're, uh, if you're planning on being out there at Hidden Falls this week, July 10th, uh, 8 a.m. Uh, hope to see you there. And uh, if you didn't see the post on Facebook, uh, we will be using GMRS channel 16 for communication and uh, talk in. So like if you're coming out to the park and you're trying to find us, uh, you can get there on GMRS channel 16. Sorry, don't have a CB. Uh, actually, it's sorry I'm not sorry because I don't like listening to all, all that noise from the from the AM uh, 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 stations uh, all broadcasting at once. So anyway, GMRS is where, where it's going to be. Uh, we're going to be in Area B. So um, if you if you're not a Facebook person, you can certainly go over there and just look at it. I think you can look at it without having to have a uh, uh, an account. But uh, go over there. There's uh, information on exactly where we're going to be. And uh, even if you didn't sign up on the event, you want to come out, you're more than welcome. Everybody's welcome. So just come on out. But Tony, I was curious. I haven't looked. Is it on the website where you could actually? No. We, that, we, just, it, we just have the episodes on the website so people can listen to okay. those. Because I thought you did a really good visual of where you're going to be in location. I mean, I'm not from Texas, but it looked like it'd be pretty easy to find you. So. Oh, good. Thank you. I, I, I try. I don't always succeed, but I try. From the mind of Nikki G. Hey, this is Nikki G, and I just caught episode 496. And there's just so much content in there to comment on. I don't know where to begin. I don't know if I have time for it all. (laughs) So I've developed my top three things to comment on on episode 496. Number three. Tony, you talked about... Uh, getting struck by lightning and the best thing to do in a lightning storm is to put your face down, stick your butt up. I got to say I was a Boy Scout. I don't remember that in the training, but uh, I don't think that's a good idea. I don't want the rescue workers to come across my burnt 
carcass with me smiling and my butt sticking straight up. Plus, I think the electricity will kind of fuse your joints and bones together so they can't lay you out flat in a casket. So they'll have to bury you uh, face down smiling with your butt sticking up. And I'm not sure if that's how I want people to remember me. No, second thought, that's exactly how I want people to remember me. Number two. And Josh, you talked about getting bit three times by the yellow sack spider. Come on, man. If, if that really happened, you would have superpowers by now. And the ability to put a flash drive in the computer the correct way every time is not really a superpower. <laughs> Although the ability to eat frozen gummy bears probably is a superpower. Number one. My number one thing to comment about on episode 496 is trail snacks. I love trail snacks. My favorite trail snack is gnawing on the bones of the people who have wronged me. Although beaver nuggets does have my curiosity. Exactly which part of the beaver did the nugget come from? I'm dying to know, but that's not why I'm calling. I'm calling to tell you that I, I broke a bolt on my engine mount. Yeah, I was going to drill it out, but I just find that very boring. Always like watching All right, Josh. boys and girls, I'll chat at you later. You have a good one. Bye. Always like watching Josh's uh, face whenever <laughs> the punchline comes. It's painful sometimes. I, yeah. You know, the term groaner, uh, it's like, I don't know, there's there's a knife that is twisted somewhere in my gut. I was going to say, a, a groaner would be a little too much effort. <laughs> <laughs> for some of those <laughs> you got tech questions oh boy do I ever we have answers oh that's good I can, I can. it's tech talk with jeep talk yahoo Earlier model Jeeps weren't really known exactly for their sound systems. Uh, sure, modern-day Jeep systems have come a long way since the CJ days, but even the factory TJ system left a lot to be desired. Now, it wasn't until the JK line of Wranglers did Jeep really start to get serious about the stereo systems. Nowadays, it's all multimedia infotainment right at your fingertips, immersing you in an eight- or nine-speaker surround sound experience in a Jeep. Yeah, who'd have thunk it, right? Well, that's all fine and dandy for the new Jeep owners, but what about the older Jeeps? You know, like the CJs and the YJs and stuff. They barely had any sound systems at all. So what's a Jeeper to do? Well, I've always said that if you want to add big sound to a little old Jeep, there's only one correct path, and I'm about to walk you down it right now. The first step is going to be the stereo, the heart of the system. This is where you don't necessarily want to cheap out. A good deck will run you between $120 and $220 brand new. Uh, this will get you plenty of features like Bluetooth, you know, connectivity, subwoofer output, and a higher powered onboard amp with better circuitry. Things like HD radio, satellite radio, or a screen that folds out are all features found in more expensive head units. If you're on a tight budget, I would consider turning to Facebook or uh, Facebook Marketplace or even Craigslist to find something used to just make sure that they can demonstrate that everything works on it or are willing to meet you at a stereo shop to have it bench tested. That will usually run you about 20 to 25 bucks, but will be an additional peace of mind when it comes time to install it. Just make sure you're not shooting yourself in the foot by trying to cheap out and only be 20 or 30 bucks away from a brand new unit. Now, if you are trying to maintain the original look of the old two-knob stereo in the CJ, well, there are still modern versions of these that have the old classic look, but a lot of more modern components inside, even, uh, you know, uh, modern kind of features as far as, you know, subwoofer output and, and Bluetooth connectivity, things like that. Now, these typically aren't cheap and will be in the $200 and up price range. Now, next is going to be uh, time to pick out some speakers. 
And in the CJ or YJ, there really isn't a place to put them. Oh, sure, you can try and finagle a 3x5 into those spacers up in the dash, but one, that's a pain in the butt, and two, let's face it, you're not going to get much out of those tiny, itty-bitty little speakers, even if you go with the adapter plate and cram a 3.5-inch round speaker in there. That's going to be even a bigger pain in the butt, so skip that location altogether. It's not going to work out for you. For the front stage, for the front speakers, I really like the Centropod speaker enclosure. This is a ruggedized, molded plastic speaker enclosure that is specifically shaped to fit underneath the dash and in front of the shifters on the transmission hump to hold two five and a quarter inch diameter speakers that point right at your face. These will run you about 70 bucks unloaded, or you can get this, this pod with a set of kicker speakers preloaded in it for about $150. Now, not only will this be much easier to install than those you know, 4 by 6 speakers up at the dash, it's going to look good and is, is way out of the way. But that's not going to quite cut it as far as sound goes. You're going to want and need more than that, and it will come completely from the unused and useless space between the rear wheel well and the roll bar. This is the perfect space, however, for a set of 6 by 9 speaker pods. The ones I have installed in countless Jeeps over the years are made of a hard molded plastic and are extremely durable. They secure in a place with zero rattling or movement of any kind, making them both resilient and secure. These not only are out of the way entirely, but they offer the ability to add huge sound to the Jeep. These on average are only about 80 to 100 bucks for the pair of the pods, but I haven't seen them uh, in too many options for preloaded as you will definitely want to choose something good here as far as speaker selection goes. 6x9s can be a pricey speaker. Uh, this is a large speaker, usually has a large magnet, and you can get as much as like a five-way speaker. You do, definitely don't need all that. Uh, so don't get sticker shock here. 6x9s can get expensive. But again, don't buy the cheapest pair you can find either. You will regret it, trust me, and you will definitely be replacing them soon. These pods are also better than the carpeted wood enclosures that sit up on top of the wheel well. That's usually the common go-to for uh, Jeep speakers in, in the rear. Now those will eventually break down from exposure and take up valuable storage room. A pair of 6x9s are gonna run you uh, a good 100 bucks easily, and a good set can cost as much as $300 or more. Now here is where I would definitely consider going with used gear in order to save money, but be sure to make sure that they work at a higher volume level before you buy them. Just you know, plugging them in and, and you know hearing them at a whisper level, uh, that's not gonna cut it. Crank them up to make sure they're not blown. With a modern stereo, a pair of five and a quarter speakers up front, and a set of kicking 6x9s in the back, you will be in no short supply of sound. A system like this will have full, rich audio with clean, crisp highs and a punchy mid-bass that you can actually feel. You should be able to put together a system like this for between four dollars and $500, and if you go with higher-end gear, it could go up to about $750 or more. It all depends on how much you want to spend and how much you like music. I gotta ask though, how much uh, how much of a stereo system do you need to listen to uh, podcasts, specifically the Jeep Talk Show? Well, <laughs> you know, I, I always recommend the uh, for the highest audio quality possible. Uh, you go exactly. with a and system. Now, I mean, if they're broadcasting it to everybody on the highway, I, I'm, I wholly uh, support uh, a multi thousand dollar uh, two thousand watt system. 
Didn't we have like some Jeepers connect because one Jeep was playing the Jeep talk show oh, yeah. and the other one that pulled was up cool. next to it at an intersection? And I mean, that there was like, it was a kismet. I mean, I, I don't remember the entire story, but it did happen. That's pretty cool. So, yes, all the more reason to have more speakers and bigger speakers and amperage <laughs> and, and wattage and voltage and all that sort of stuff. It, yes. It, it was a cute girl that was listening to the show and it was a boy that, uh, that was trying to find anything he could say to talk to her. So, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter how we get our listeners, Tony. <laughs> girl plays Jeep podcast, boy meets girl. Yes, it's yeah, the age old I, I'm just saying. <laughs> well, if you have anything to add to this segment, or maybe you have a question or a topic for Tech Talk you would like to have covered, just jump over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and send us a message. On episode 149 of the Jeep Talk Show, we interviewed a Jeep Cherokee owner named Kyle. So we're driving around there looking for a parking space, and we just see him parked there, and I was like, are you serious? The diagonally parked Corvette owner, just feet from the restaurant's entrance, took up two parking places. I see what Jeep owner probably would have done. I mean, I was just like, okay, screw it. I'm just going to park on the curb. The story was covered well in the news, but there was more to the story. Well, I mean, I never told any reporter this. I was driving, he comes in the opposite direction. You don't know what you've missed unless you go back and listen. Living the Jeep life? From mall crawlers to weekend warriors, from daily drivers to weekend wheelers, it's all about the Jeep life, and it's all good. It's time for Jeep Life with Jeep Mama. Tony, Josh, Wendy, well, it looks like last week I lost track of my days again. I flew back to Maryland to visit my kids and totally blanked out Thursday's show. <laughs> it sure is nice to see my kids again. I'm still here in my old house, which really isn't my house. But I feel like it's still my house. It's a little surreal being back. I've been back a few times before, but this time it's different. I had an epiphany. I came to realize I don't miss the life of suburbia soccer mom. The traffic and people and humidity, yuck. Something came over me and all those sad negative emotions just washed away and I'm finally able to let it all go and accept it. Ironic because the past two weeks, a few folks have reached out to me. One of them was a JTS listener, and they have seen how I have made huge changes in my life and were looking to talk to me about it as they are feeling bogged down and trapped in their lives. That prompted me to make a video, which I just uploaded on my YouTube channel, Top 5 Ways to Live Your Best Life. It's all about getting rid of the clutter from your life, like things, people, emotions, For me, doing this opened up doors and space to live the life I enjoy. One of those enjoyments is being out with nature, like camping. There are so many different aspects of camping. I live in a campground by choice. I shared a couple episodes back about campground etiquette and that some campgrounds are people's homes. We also like to camp when we go wheeling. Sometimes we camp in a tent or bring a camper. We can stay at a campground, sometimes an RV campground, and sometimes a tent campground. There are also primitive sites where it's a whole bunch of people in one little area, like in Moab. And then there are primitive sites in national forests and on BLM land where it's just you and nature. That is my favorite type of camping, those out-of-the-way primitive sites. Primitive camping is also called dispersed camping. Nothing but the land, no showers or toilets, maybe a ring of rocks for a fire, It's like off-grid camping. Just you and nature, and of course, a few luxuries you bring. I have learned over time, less is better if you are smart about it. You would be surprised how you can survive a night or two of primitive camping without a whole lot of stuff. It takes practice to figure out what works and what doesn't for you. We are all different in our needs and wants. Like Neil and I, for example. 
I don't drink coffee, but he can't survive without a cup of coffee in the morning. He found a French press at Walmart a while back. A must-have for him, but not so much for me. Like with everything, there are checklists all over the internet about what to bring. And just because it's on the checklist doesn't mean you need it. It's a good start, but the best way is to go out and figure it out for yourself. Must-haves for me are a pillow, good sleeping bag, tent, camp chair, cast iron pan, and a grate to cook over the fire. Of course, food and water, that's a given. Everything else would be gravy. What I have come to find out, that there can be too much stuff. You don't want to make your trip or adventure a chore. The less you have, the less to set up, clean up, pack up, means more time for relaxing and enjoying those moments. And there are five moments I love to enjoy when I go camping. Jeep Mama's top five must-do moments when camping. Number one, take in the sunset. Just get your camp chair and chill watching the sunset. Number two, make a campfire. This is a must anytime you go camping. Camping's just not the same without a campfire. So again, grab your camp chair and just sit and watch the fire dance. Number three, once the sun sets and the fire dies down, look up at the sky and take in all those stars. It will blow your mind. Out in the middle of nowhere in the dark, all those stars in the sky, it's amazing. Number four, when you get up in the morning, a breakfast cooked over the fire is a must. Bacon and eggs first thing in the morning, out in the middle of nowhere, is amazing. And number five, in the morning, before you make your amazing breakfast, open up your tent door and just lay there in your sleeping bag looking out your tent at the amazing beauty around you. Just take it all in. Take some deep breaths. Camping in nature is so good for your soul. It takes away the stress if you do it right. And it helps you think more clearly. The best way to figure out what works for you is to go out and do it. You're going to make mistakes and forget things, but that's okay. That's how you learn. That's how you learn what works for you. You would be surprised how you can really survive a night in the wilderness without a whole lot of stuff. Until next time, happy jeeping. Uh, she forgot number six, hair globs. No. <laughs> I was wondering where that was going to be. <laughs> oh. It's so amazing to camp if you haven't done it. It's out in the middle of nowhere. The stars are as brilliant as you can imagine. And she's so That's right. Breakfast right. in the morning. Oh, my gosh. I don't know what it is about bacon on an open right? fire. Oh, my camp. God. No, 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 it's no, 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 the no, best no, flavor It really ever. is. It's amazing. Clearly. No, it is. If, you've, if you haven't had, you know, bacon in open air cooked over an open flame at 6 o'clock in the morning in the wilderness, you, you haven't lived. I'm sorry. That's it's, right. It's so there's, true. There's, there's, there's few, uh, few that, is, uh, that will measure up to that. I, I don't know what it yeah. is. It, she's 100% right. Uh, breakfast cooked over an open flame in the morning uh, out in the wilderness tastes just absolutely stunning uh and there's not there's nothing like it so yeah absolutely oh and if you've if you've never gotten outside of light uh pollution and gotten out into the wilderness literally miles away from a single source of light you haven't lived either look up and and if you can get outside of light uh, pollution and look up you will see the arm of the milky way that we are in and it it will blow your freaking mind yeah and and it's really cool if you have these those chairs that kind of lay back the lounge chairs and you just lay down perfect on watch the sky you can actually track the satellites i was I mean, just gonna it's say really, yes, it's amazing yes. i was gonna you know, say yeah stars watching the satellites and, and, and the satellites and if oh. the satellite changes direction 
uh, go in the tent Run. immediately. Yeah. <laughs> Get in the vehicle. Oh, I don't. Stuff. I don't oh. think camping is camping if you can't have a campfire. That is, to me, That's the true. most important yeah. thing yep. of a campout. And, and running away from the smoke is the other part of that. Yes, it's the other part <laughs> of it. Shifting the chair around yeah. the clock face, yes. But, you know, she, well, she's no, right about the words, the fire dance. I mean, you just, you're sort of mesmerized. And, like, for us, when we do desert camping and we're doing off-roading and stuff, the quads, we're sitting around in the evening and there's nothing around. It's desert. And you've got this fire ring and you've got rocks around and this big bonfire going. And everybody sits around and then you just, you're quiet and you listen to the other stories. You listen mm-hmm. to people sharing mm-hmm. things that yeah. happened. It could be the, that day or years ago or some other lifetime, uh, some other situation. And it's just amazing to have that. And you just, you're mesmerized by the way the fire taking is. Taking it in. Like Tammy said, just taking it all in. Yeah. Oh, it's so amazing. It just, hearing her, this story, I just makes me want to get back out and camp again. I really it's though, right? <laughs> yeah. Like I got I'm ready. my camping gear. Watching the fire, yeah. trying to go to sleep so you could wake up and smell the bacon. Oh, bacon. So good. <laughs> <laughs> You must have needed this every day. I need it! It's the Deep Talk Show's must-have stuff. Pick of the week for your Jeep. Well, the sun is out and you need shade, but you want... No, I'm sorry. You need to go topless this summer. So what do you do if you don't want to get sunburnt sitting in traffic or being out on the trail? Well, the answer is spiderweb shade. Spiderweb shade has been around since 2005 and all of their stuff is real world tested for at least a year out on the trails before it ever goes to market. Not only that, their shades come with a 10-year warranty and are made entirely here in the USA from start to finish. They also block 90% of harmful UV rays and keep the Jeep up to 27% cooler than one without a spiderweb shade. This week, I'm highlighting their brand new Jeep Wrangler JKU Shade Cage. The Shade Cage is a four-piece system consisting of their patented top shade as well as their new cargo shade, Unlimited, covering the left, right, and rear cargo area of your Jeep JKU. Now, you could spend more to get a thinner material system from some other company. It's not going to reduce the wind noise at all. It may not hold up to this these kind of standards, or you can go with the industry leader. And it's only going to cost you $297 for this entire four-piece kit. But you guys, uh, is this something that you guys would entertain? Now, obviously, uh, I, you guys don't have four-door Jeeps, but uh, I do know they make a two-door variety of, uh, of this sort of thing as well. I do. Um, I, I have a four-door. I have a four-door. Oh, okay. I thought you. I, I thought you guys were only uh, were only two. Well, Tony, the the the, the JT is <laughs> a little different. Doesn't count. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But no, I, I'm um, sorry, Wendy. I thought you guys had a, had a two-door Wrangler. No, we have a four. But yeah, this is an interesting. Think about it because for me, I like having the top on because I don't want the sun burning down. Of course, in Big Bear, it's super hot. We're closer to the sun. The UV rays, you know, it can be more intense. You guys are rocking the AC, aren't you? <laughs> yes, one hundred percent. Well, if you remember, the they've, admit they've never had the top off. She, uh, no, Wendy, Wendy likes her AC <laughs> and coverage. Right. Yes, that's right. That's right. No, no, no. So I, I will like say, it, but go ahead. No, I was gonna. Uh, I was gonna say one additional thing is is uh, the spiderweb systems. Um, they they don't come off. Once they go on, you really don't ever have to take them oh, off if you don't want to. Okay. The top, uh, the factory top can go oh, right nice. over the top of these. Yeah, 100%. So it, it's, it, 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 you don't have to g- sit there and worry about, well, how often am I going to have to switch systems? Is, is it going to mm-hmm. wear out, you know, getting uninstalled and reinstalled all these? No. Install it once, just forget about it. So maybe it, that yeah, rear looks awesome. Hole, I like it. 
maybe that rear panel you take off in the winter time, uh, you know, because you know the light and all that sort of stuff. But uh, but no, I mean, you essentially leave this on 365 days a year. And it's a good price too. That's really inexpensive when you think about it. When you think about what you're getting, I mean, compare mm -hmm. that against oh, the price of a top or the price of a full Bimini top or something like that. Or, you know, I mean, any kind of a top system for a Jeep, it, it's going to run you significantly more than that. Uh, so yeah. it's really for what you get and the quality and the warranty behind it uh, and, and all the R&D that's gone into it. Uh, it's really a good value. And I think uh, I've, I've seen a lot of posts on Facebook when people are asking about, you know, what top should I get? There's a lot of people. Uh, that uh, and when I say top bikini top type stuff, a lot of people say the uh, the spider web uh, shade. Uh, so apparently, it's a good brand. Yeah, it, it really is. Uh, they uh, they have better reviews than a lot of the other companies. Uh, they've been around a little bit longer. They've got a good uh, research and development uh, team that that goes you know goes into this sort of stuff and makes sure that it's not only going to work but it's going to last and hold up as well. Well, now that you must have a spider a spider web shade shade cage for your own Jeep, we're going to make it easy for you. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com and look for the link in the show notes for episode 497. Is that a spider web shade you got on your uh, XJ on the inside no, there, Josh? Just spider webs. Uh, <laughs> it's just spider webs. Spider webs, yeah. Well, uh, this is the part of the show where uh, we like to pull up around the campfire and uh, pull up a chair and just kind of crack wise and then uh, talk about one particular topic or another. We invite you, the listener, to join us each and every week and every time we record the show. Uh, we'll have a new new segment, new topic that we're talking about, and uh, and you can get in on it. And we encourage you to do so. Uh, in this week, uh, we this episode, we've got a, we've got a lot of listeners here with us, a lot of familiar names as well. A couple new ones, and so we're going to go through this list and see what people have to say about the topic this week. And this week, different as last week, it's how extensively, if at all, do you detail your Jeep after a run? And I'm asking for specifically any tips that uh, people would like to share that maybe they've uh, they, they've come up with over the years of, of cleaning their Jeep. So going down the list, uh, starting off at the top, we've got Greg here with us tonight. Greg, what would you have to say about uh, cleaning your Jeep? Do you detail it all after a run? You know, we got the weather tip four liners in, so it's pretty easy to clean out the inside. Just uh, take those out, wash them down, and put them back in. We're pretty much done, and uh, we don't ever wash the outside of the Jeep. No, no need to. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of the same way. Uh, I think I went, uh, my, my record, I think, is three years without washing the Jeep. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm kind of with you there. I, I typically don't unless I'm in uh, wheeling, uh, in, like in the fall. Um, or, or early spring when there's still a lot of, um, a lot of wet clay on the ground up here in the Oregon, we've got this snotty peanut butter is what I call it. And it's this specific kind of Oregon clay. Everybody, there's clay all over the, all over the U S everybody has, uh, well, not everybody, but there's certain regions have their own version of clay. We have our own version up here. And if you don't get it off of your, off of your, your paint, uh, in a relatively soon period of time after you're done wheeling, um, after a couple few weeks, a couple few months, uh, it might leave a stain behind right. and that yep. paint will be stained with that, with whatever it is that's in the clay that gives it that color. Uh, and so that's, 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 uh, something that we got to deal with out here. I don't know about you, Greg, do you guys have any clay out in, in your neck of the woods? Yeah, we've got the Oklahoma red dirt clay. So, oh yeah, we got clay. That's, that's yeah. gotta stain the paint, right? Cause that's like that. It's almost like a brick red, isn't it? Yeah, it can. It depends on what part of the state you're in, but yeah, it can absolutely uh, cause you some havoc. But um, 
where we're at, we get a lot of, uh, well, not a lot of it, but typically the, the rain will wash it off right afterwards for us anyway. The, the paint job on the on the Jeep's not the greatest anyway, so I'm not too worried about it. Right. Yeah, I think that's. I think that can be said for a lot of us here. Braden, what about you? New uh, new name here on the uh, on the campfire side chat, at least uh, as far as I can tell. Uh, how do you detail your Jeep? Do you detail your Jeep? Any tr- any tips to share? Uh, so around here it's mainly mud and stuff like that. So most of the time I go and I take out my carpet, <laughs> just pressure wash it, shampoo it, and just take the pressure washer inside the Jeep. Is it hard to get that that uh, flavor of mud out of uh, nooks and crannies underneath the Jeep? Do you, you go so far as to as to try and uh, pressure wash the underside of the Jeep? Uh, sometimes it depends how I feel that day. Most of the time, I don't even right. worry about it. There's times where I've had so much mud and gunk built up into my wheels that I've actually had to pull over on the side of the road on the way home and scoop stuff out to get the vibration no down a little bit. No <laughs> kidding. I've been there a few times. <laughs> I was going to say anybody who's, who wheels in mud or has got clay in their area, they probably have had that uh, had that happen to them as well. Uh, Jimmy Jeep with us tonight. Jimmy, do you uh, do you detail your Jeep at all after a run? How how far do you go? Well, I I watched it for the first time in about a year, so about six trips last weekend. But wow, uh, not really. Right I mean, on right on par with uh, with a regular Jeeper sounds like. <laughs> I was like, I got three different colors of mud on there. It's time to get it off. There you <laughs> go. There you go. Uh, any, any? Do you have any clay in your in your area? Yeah, we've got. I'm I'm in east, the edge of East Texas, so I got black clay out here. But um, black clay. I usually go. I haven't. I haven't heard of black clay before. I haven't either. That's a new one. Oh, for it's me. it's horrible. It, it, it and it's oil? not real sticky, <laughs> but the it's it's bad for it, It's bad for houses. It's not bad for jeeps. Well, I was going to say every every kind of clay that I've ever heard about or ran across has been completely different from every other kind of clay. So I'm not I'm not entirely surprised there's not there's a version of clay out there that I haven't heard of before. So yeah, I usually go to Gilmer or Barmel is the kind of the closest off wheeling place for me, and they they've got red clay out there, and uh, it doesn't stain though. So I'm, I'm lucky about that because the last time I went out there, the last three times I went out there, I don't think I took it off. Now I I wheeled with a guy for for a while. I haven't seen him in years. Haven't talked to him in years. But but he was so anal about about mud collecting on his Jeep that he would go so far as to spray detail fluid. You know, almost like black magic, uh, um, uh, McGuire's or you know uh, whatever it you know whatever brand it was in the wheel wells and just spray everything down with this stuff, let it dry, and then he'd go out and, and go wheeling. And what that did, it was kind of created a, a barrier in between the metal and the plastic and the paint and everything like that, that the mud wouldn't really stick to it or it would come off very easily. And so his when he got home, it was just, you know, back and forth with the hose, all it really needed, and it was almost like a new Jeep again. People finding the mud going, why is this mud so shiny on one side? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> What about John Lee, Rhino Rubicon here with us tonight? Uh, John, what would you have to say about detailing your Jeep? Do you do it at all, or how far do you go after a run? Uh, I'm I'm actually one of those that does it extreme, right? So every time I do a run, I do a complete detail on mine. The the clay we have down here is called we call it caliche, and it's all over Hidden Falls, which is primarily where I go. And um, so every time I get back, I do a full pressure wash underneath. I do a complete detail on the top. I'll even clay bar it here and there. Um, 
light magic on the fenders, all that. So I do a hundred percent detail on mine. I'm really, really glad you brought up the clay bar. Uh, because there's a, not a lot of people that really know about the clay bar, let alone what it is and, and how it's used, what it's used for. It, it has got to be one of the quintessential pieces for detailing the outside of a Jeep. Tell us why. Well, it gets all the, the stuff that gets into the clear coat, right? So because you'll get that, especially if it's like that caliche, I don't, I don't know if it's acidic or what, but it, it really causes a lot of corrosion when it gets on on anything. So if you don't get it off, it's, it's not so much a staining, it's more of a eating into the clear coat. So you want to get wow. those, uh, those impurities and imperfections out of the clear coat. It's also really bad underneath. So you mentioned putting the detail stuff in the fender wells. I, I'm a fan of PV blaster underneath before I hit the trails or whatever. I kind of run that over all the metal pieces and everything else to try to try to help protect and make it easier for the, the detail. But um, it's, I, it's, it's, it's important to get it all across because you know, it's still got to look good, right? I mean, it's it's a wheeler, but it's still got to look good. You know, I was I was that way uh, when I uh, when I got uh, first couple few years of my Cherokee out there wheeling and stuff, and and I would detail top to the bottom after every run. And it was also my daily driver. Maybe that had something to do with it as well. And so I, you know, I didn't want to be driving to work, uh, you know, sitting in the same mud that I was wheeling in 24 hours prior. Uh, and, and so there's, you know, maybe that had something to do with it as well. But over the years, I've kind of gotten a little bit lax with it. But I know that, that I need to take a clay bar to my paint something fierce uh, because there is a lot of embedded dirt, not only in the clear coat, but whatever, you know, that's. Uh, it's a 99. There's probably not a lot of clear coat left on the damn thing. But uh, I know that there's a lot of uh, uh, a lot of debris embedded in the paint as well. And the clay bar, even though you're essentially rubbing a rock across your paint, and you would think yeah. it's counterintuitive that it's going it's going to uh, you know leave all kinds of scratches and stuff. But it's small and uh, it's uh, soft enough rather that it doesn't leave anything behind, and in fact, it picks stuff up. Now you use it kind of a kind of wet. Um, and, and it helps, you know, kind of move it across the paint a little bit better. But yeah, if you've never heard of a clay bar, uh, before look it up on YouTube and, and check it out. John Lee, thanks for bringing that up, man. Really appreciate that. What about Larry? Larry, how far do you go with uh, detailing your Jeep after a run? Usually it's a good power washing afterwards, get all the mud off of it and, uh, do attachments. So I get up under it a little bit too, to get all that mud out of it. So it doesn't start rusting or, you know, any of that, but Talk it's about my that daily. More so, talk, about, talk about getting to the undercarriage a little bit more in detail. How do you, how do you, what sort of attachments do you, what, how do you get underneath there and, and, and really get all that, you know, hanging mud and stuff out from underneath the, the corners and the crevices and stuff? It's just a 90 degree attachment to the uh, power washer. So I can just you know a long, it's a long attachment just goes up under there and you can't get all of it, but you get quite, you get quite a bit of it. They've got 90-degree elbow nozzle attachments for pressure washer wands. I, I haven't cool. seen this yet. i got to go find me. Where oh, do you get yeah. these? Check the chat. Oh, oh yeah, just Lowe's or something like that. You can, you can get those. You can get all kinds of attachments for a, a power washer nowadays. They even make the ones that's on the wheels that you can roll underneath if it's got nozzles that spray straight up. Now, I've seen those oh, yeah. in action, but they, they don't seem like they're more than like a sprinkler. No. It just it seems like right. it just, you know, you have better luck almost putting a sprinkler underneath it and letting it go for a longer. Yeah. I, I don't know. I've, I've seen those those wheeled cart things that spray the, the water up, and they look more like something the kids would play with than something that you would use to, to clean your Jeep with. But, uh, uh, but I digress. 
Well, good to know that there's. I'm gonna have to look out. Thanks for that, Larry. I've I've got to find that uh, that 90 degree elbow for my my pressure washer. That that's that's what that is missing. So good good stuff tonight, guys. Chris yeah. with sevenslots.com. Sevenslots.com. Be sure to check it out. Great pictures. Great info uh, infotainment rather over there. Lots of good information. Uh, Chris, do you detail your Jeep after a run? I'll leave it in weekend mode for a day or two, depending on uh, how it looks. Uh, but uh, yeah, go. I'll usually hit it the pressure washer and and get it cleaned up within a, a day or three. Um, and do you just go any further than that? Do you, is it just a pressure washing, or do you break out the the suds and the rag and, and give it a wash? No, the suds and the rag, give it a wash, and then hit the uh, the fenders, uh, JK, with the uh, Meguiar's black, Meguiar something, just to make the fender flares. Uh, they're still mm -hmm. even after six years, pretty pretty good and deep black and get the rear bumper just still got the plastic rear bumper on it and just you know make it make it look good hit the tires and uh and give it give it a detail i either have it professionally detailed or detail it myself once a year not too shabby right there and honestly if you want to maintain your clear coat and and maintain that deep rich black to the plastics and stuff you need to do that at least once a year and it, chris chris it sounds like you've you've hit that you know the black magic mcguire's return to black whatever it is um, on a fairly regular basis. I think that's what a lot of people are missing when they talk about my fender trim has turned gray or why can't I get this to turn black again? Uh, it's because you haven't maintained it over the years. You haven't kept those essential oils inside of the plastic where they belong to keep it lustrous and black like Chris has done uh, with, with those kind of materials and stuff. Over the years, it requires that. If you don't do it and suddenly, you know, maybe you're the second and third owner and nobody else has done that, well, you're going to be hard-pressed to get that black to come back out of that plastic uh, without regular maintenance and, and doing that. Christopher yeah, with a K? Go ahead, Chris. I'm sorry. I was, I was, I was, I was going to say a, a, blowtorch, a blowtorch doesn't fix it either. Right? That's one of the crazy no. things. People hit it with a propane <laughs> torch and oh, it all looks great yeah, for about a day and then it looks even worse. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you'll have lines and marks and all sort of stuff. And yeah, you're going to end up just having to sand it and paint it after that pretty much. <laughs> All right, Christopher, your turn. How far do you go with a detail after a run with the Grand Cherokee? Well, it depends on if it gets super, super muddy. Uh, since we're in Oklahoma, it's got that red, red clay. Oh, uh, yeah, you do. Get, yeah, if it gets a lot of clay underneath the, the Jeep, I'll actually bring out a, uh, a sprinkler. <laughs> There's a, uh, a, a, a oscillating sprinkler that I bought, and it actually has quite a bit of power and I'll stick it under there and let it oscillate underneath for a little while. How long does it take? Do what? How long does it take with, with that sort of thing to, to get it uh, clean enough? Uh, it's, it's really just to loosen up the dirt and I probably leave it under there for about 10 minutes and then All I'll right. take the power washer to it. And then, yeah, uh, that I've heard that My, Oklahoma clay is 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 very resilient and it it's it's hard to come off. It's almost like glue. Yeah, it doesn't want to come off. Spackle. <laughs> yeah. So uh, after that, I'll probably go at it with the uh, the brakes and the drive shaft U joints and all that stuff just to keep those. Um, make sure that they don't have any dirt or stuff on them, mud, because those are more essential than paint. I would and think that pressure washing the U-joints uh, might not be a good thing. Uh, you have to, I guess you would have to be careful not to force the uh, the grease out of the U-joints. Uh, I well, just I do, do like a light spray over, like not 
beating on it to get all the <laughs> grease off of get it. Get all the brown stuff out. Look at all that brown stuff get dropping out of there. <laughs> That's nasty. <laughs> oh, wait. Yeah, no, there's two kinds of two kinds of uh, U-joints out there, sealed and greasable. Uh, they have a little zerk on them and stuff. And, and typically, you're going to see more sealed units out on on Jeeps than than ones with zerks. But but that being said, um, yeah, I imagine he's not sitting there with a five degree nozzle on his pressure washer, just blasting into the you know right on the seam of the of the U joint there. Uh, but no, getting that getting that grunk uh, that gunk and, and grime and, and and stuff that collects inside the U joint up out of there is going to help that U joint last a little bit longer. And uh, I, you can go ahead and, and try and pull that apart, regrease it if you want. Maybe that'd be a good idea for sealed U-joints to do it once a year or so. But uh, ultimately, uh, they're usually good for life, depending on how much pressurized water you spray onto them. Yeah. Thanks, Christopher. Uh, any, anything you'd uh, recommend as far as a product for uh, cleaning the paint or, or washing goes or anything like that? Uh, no, just anything off the shelf. It's pretty it's self-explanatory. I don't use it a whole lot, so... <laughs> just spray it off and make sure there's no mud on it. I will say this. There, there is a product that I will recommend that I, that I, I have turned to for years for detailing. And, and I've, I've done on the side detailing for other people's cars and stuff. I, I just, you know, it, it's quick hundred bucks or whatever. Um, and it's, it's called awesome. And it's spelled just like you would spell awesome. It's a yellow fluid. Uh, you can even find it in the dollar stores and stuff like that. I believe it's even biodegradable. Um, I put it up there sort of next to Simple Green, uh, just not quite uh, the same kind of a product. Uh, but it is amazing for uh, cutting through the grime and, and gunk that builds up in, on interior panels and stuff like that. It's my go-to detail fluid uh, for an inside, uh, inside detail job on a vehicle, especially with uh, dealing with anything like vinyl or leather goes. Steve-O here with us tonight. Uh, I imagine this is not the Steve-O from Jackass, but uh, nonetheless, Steve-O here with us. Uh, what would you have to say about detailing your Jeep? Do you, how far do you go after a run? Well, it, you know, since so it's a 2019, it's still pretty new to me. It's not like my XJ. I think with my XJ, I had a 98 XJ. First couple of years, absolutely. Then you slowly let it go as, as it fades. But, right. you know, right. I am very in tune with the, uh, the multicolor fenders with black fenders. I'm not a fan of the blended colors. So to me, I'm the same way. I, I like to keep those with the Meguiars, keep them black, keep them, keep them sharp. I've done the sprinkler, but biggest thing for me is if I leave it, sit with mud, it starts to drop in the garage and then I get a little kind of a nagging. I'll come <laughs> oh, at yeah. me, so I, I have I have to pull it into the I pull it into the grass actually, and I'll do it in the grass. Wait, is this nagging wash. internal or external? You, you don't no. have to name any names. No, we, we know, we, we know. Don't get in trouble. Exactly. <laughs> it's external. Uh, <laughs> now, Steve, I've I've done that. That's actually a good question. I'm glad you brought that up because this is something I, I actually kind of want to want to go around the horn again and maybe ask people or maybe another segment or another time. But uh, you know, how do you feel about you know pulling up the the Jeep into the grass? And washing off is it a little whiskey tango is it a little trailer park I, I don't know it's sometimes i feel bad about doing it sometimes i really don't care well uh, i don't care i mean my neighbors they kind of looked at me funny and like you know what are you gonna do i mean it's, it's there for an hour while i'm doing it and yeah right it's not like can, you're parking there every it's night a, it's yeah, his own exactly. damn yard man <laughs> exactly well, no and the and all you know all that stuff uh, in the, in that dirt and that clay and stuff probably good for the grass Absolutely. and so you know yeah why not better than the driveway they're not gonna wash the driveway down Right, you, you pressure wash one thing. You don't need to pressure wash two. So there, exactly. <laughs> so, but yeah, Mike, it, it gets what about, Mike, what about you? Uh, I know you've uh, been out on a few runs and stuff. How far do you go with a detail after after a run? 
Well, I don't watch it until uh, the, the following week. Uh, most of the time, I'm just like, eh, I'm too tired. So, he he know, waits for the notification baby. from the homeowners association. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, so I next week, I'm then I just do go over to the power wash, uh, car wash, and just wash everything down. Uh, I actually just had finished doing my car wash uh, this week, uh, this past weekend. All right on. From, right on. No. Yeah, so it was a while since I took a ride, so I was like, figured, okay, it's time. <laughs> Around here, the, the car washes uh, get real bent out of shape when they see a muddy Jeep. Uh, and often, and I've even been turned away, saying, no, you're too dirty. Uh, we're not going to wow. take you. Uh, and wow. it's because, I think it's because, you know, uh, the dirt. It, it, well, a lot, of these, a lot of these car washes now recirculate their water. It doesn't just go right into, into you know, the, the, the storm drains. Um, it, it recirculates, and so they filter it, and, and those filters have a, you know, specific lifespan, uh, and, and, and they don't want to deal with also a massive drop of mud. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, would ordinarily last a week or, or longer. Would, yeah, be in a single wash, be completely screwed. So I, I don't know. Uh, there's there's signs on a couple of the the self serve car washes. You know the ones that where you put the bunch of quarters in and you got the pressure washer wand and you can just go to town with it like that. They specifically say no muddy trucks. And and so I you know what do you do? You know it's you take Jeep. the risk of getting busted. Exactly. Uh, gosh, not a truck. <laughs> it's a Jeep. Not a flat of me. I got away on a technicality. Oh, that's right. Uh, no, so I don't know. It's, uh, I'm sure it's different in, in every, uh, in every area. I've got a pressure washer myself now, so I don't have to really worry about that. So, but it's happened in the past, uh, to where, yeah, you know, I've gotten turned away or, or risked getting, a. and I don't know, it's not illegal. It's just, they, they, they just say no muddy trucks. So, I mean, what are they going to do? They say, oh, you can't come here anymore. I don't, well, who, who cares? Yeah, really? All right, Tony. What about you? Uh, I know you've been out a couple few times over the last couple few years. Um, do you do you come home and detail the Jeep right away, or does it sit for a little while? How far do you go? So back in my day, uh, I had a, a 1983 uh, full size Chevrolet pickup, short wheelbase, and uh, I uh, I would take it uh, into the mud pit. There was actually a guy building a mud pit, an off road mud pit, uh, wow. who who never completed it, but they they had it dug out and stuff. So I went out there and. I would uh, sink that thing into uh, two feet of mud and then uh, put it in four low and drive out of it. And uh, it was fun, uh, but like that's where my, my uh, mem- uh, memorances of driving down I-10 and hearing these huge chunks of mud <laughs> dropping off because of the clay, <laughs> dropping off the thing and the seeing it spin and, and <laughs> cars swerving. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was new. Older just I fell out new, from underneath yeah. this truck. I was new. I didn't, oh, I was one of those asshole rednecks, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I, I, there was no signs. This was, I think this is before people realized about huh. the, the issue with the, you know, the mud and stuff. And I didn't think anything of it. It's a car wash. You're paying for it. You go in there. You put the nozzle in there. You get as much. And, oh, by the way, I did clean the truck uh, even Afterwards, it was dropping these big chunks of mud, and I spent a lot of quarters. So uh, it was until uh, actually, it might have been me that caused them to put the signs up. But they put they started yeah, putting the signs it's your up. Fault, oh, it's your fault. <laughs> it's your fault. I'm blaming you, just saying it's your fault. And it's difficult to get that mud off, and it it's a lot of fun. Uh, the mud is that loss of control, that sliding. I guess it's kind of like the the drifting these kids are doing the, these days. But um, the cleanup is just absolutely horrible. So, uh, no, I, I was actually going to mention earlier, uh, the, uh, the gentleman said Caliche. I've always thought Caliche was actually a rock. I mean, there's, 
there's dust and stuff that comes off the rock and it, it, it when it's wet and it, it you know makes a nice soup but uh caliche to me was always a, a a rock a type of rock that you would actually put it like in a driveway uh there was hmm. uh, driveways you could have a, a caliche driveway uh but really? i certainly didn't know that it was uh, uh, uh acidic like to the the clear coat now i've never heard that name that term before uh caliche soil or or, or whatever so that's completely new to me I'm, I'm, i think know. it's like a limestone uh it, it, it looks a lot like a limestone rock and, and huh. uh, inch or so pebbles I, I guess i'd say oblong i haven't seen any in a while but anyway uh it wasn't uncommon to see a caliche uh, driveway here in uh, southeast texas now mm-hmm. one thing one thing i will do is uh when i if i go to <laughs> if i go right. to wash the uh wash the vehicle and and by the way i haven't even washed the gladiator yet uh my dad told me a long time ago and this may have been more relevant to the way they they uh, painted things back then my dad told me never put anything on the paint the, if you're going to wash your vehicle use uh water uh a sponge you make sure you keep your sponge clean so you're not sanding the paint or the clear coat in this 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 case where the all swirl marks come from yep and then uh right. use a uh make sure you get it very clean and then use a chamois 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 uh a a, a cow skin uh to uh dry the uh, dry the vehicle off to get rid of any of the uh, water marks or especially the okay. windshield you know uh that oh yeah it's very nice to be able to have a nice clean uh windshield without any water spots or anything on it does anybody not have hard water i mean unless you're like on a well and have reverse osmosis and water softening systems installed does anybody not have hard water everybody i talk to from every corner of the u.s has hard water is it just a thing now everybody's water is hard i I think ours is mildly excited but i wouldn't call it hard (laughs) (laughs) it's fairly too messy (laughs) Well, even when if you have water softening, it's not going to be the outside faucets usually. Uh, right. Yeah, yeah. True. I mean, for the rich people, maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wendy, what about you guys? How, how far do you go with uh, with a detailed job? Do you wash after after every run? Uh, does, has it been a year or more? How far do you guys no. go? You, you guys should know Bill by now. He's definitely detailing that after every single run. Oh, nice. Um, he, it's part of it's because he likes to make sure it's clean. He wants to see what's happening underneath, if there's something that's leaking or breaking or break something like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, you uh-huh. might as well be doing something when you're inspecting, right? That's exactly what he does. So for him, it's that. Now, we don't have the mud per se out here. We do get a little bit of it after snow season. But the snow can be a, a major issue and just plain old dust. And there's different kinds of dirt out here. We've got like a white dirt. I don't know how to explain that. It's like a white dust and it really? gets in places that you don't even want to imagine. So he, we definitely have a power washer. He's definitely on top of that. But we use what's called an E cloth. E is a letter E cloth um, to clean the Jeep because it's no chemicals. It's just water, just like what Tony said. You know, he was taught no soap, no anything on the on the paint. And what it does is it lifts all the grime, all the grease, anything on the paint. It just lifts it right off. And then there's a drying cloth that comes with it. No streaks, no issues. We have we use it for the windows as well. Uh, it's just an awesome thing to have. So if you guys are interested in that, just go to ecloth.com and you can find it. But it's a So I'm 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 a, looking up their website right now as you as you were talking, mm-hmm. and I'm seeing what looks to be just like a standard microfiber towel. Which is not a is microfiber there, towel, but it's like that, yes. Okay, okay. And, I was just going to say, is, it, is there more to it than what I'm seeing? Well, yes, uh, because <laughs> what it does is it 
there's a technology they have. It lifts 99.9% of every kind of whatever you, bacteria, anything you can imagine, including grease. Um, mm -hmm. we, we use it in the, in the house. Um, if you, you know, cooked bacon on the stove and you know how greasy that is, mm -hmm. it usually takes oh. four or five washes of soap and whatever to get that off. One time with hot water with that cloth, it literally jumps on the cloth. You rinse it out wow. and then go back. And you suck so, on the cloth once you've uh, cleaned the bacon grease? Tony. You know what, Tony? You <laughs> might be able to. You should try that. Let us know how that goes. <laughs> but uh, that's what we've been using. Um, I used to be a rep for it, so I, that's how ah. I learned about the product. And so See, when I no longer rep, I have all this product. But it's amazing, that cloth. And so I don't have cleaners. We don't use stuff like that on there. Um, but de definitely is something that he does. He inspects it. He makes sure that that thing is clean for the next run. And that's what we do. So there you go. Very nice. Very nice. Well, I'm going to have to look up this e-cloth. I'm going to see if there's a yeah. distributor nearby. I can I can touch and feel. I, I, I want to see something tangible before I buy it. You know, I, I want to touch it and examine it and, you know, things like that before. It's like, well, yeah. no, I don't I don't see any difference between a microfiber cloth no, or you know, it's, whatever. No, it's definitely, or, it kind of has a similar feel to the microfiber, but it's not. Microfiber only kind of smear stuff, if you know what I'm talking about. It doesn't yes, actually lift, yes. doesn't lift no. properties and grease and dirt. You honestly have to almost use it, cook bacon on the stove. That's the best description I have. Get your stove <laughs> as dirty as you can and see how clean it does. Well, that's what it does on the vehicles. So it's pretty cool to take, I mean, you know, we, we have diesel trucks and you know how that by the exhaust, oh, yeah. and all that black stuff, yep. Bill was blown away when I said, listen, I need you to use this product. I need you to tell me what you think about it and see if it works. He came back in with this look. It's just hot water. Wow. No soap, <laughs> nothing else. And all that diesel grime was off. I mean, and not hard. You're not like rubbing it for days like wax or whatever. Yeah. So it's just a great product and we don't have to use chemicals. So there you go. So. This is the kind of stuff that I've been looking for, you know, is are these tips and tricks and stuff like that, 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 you know, you've never heard of before and had not had this segment, not this topic. I would have never, ever heard of e-cloths before. So right. now, now there I know I've been exposed. I've, You've probably ruined me for life, Wendy. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> so just looking on here on Amazon, e-cloth window cleaning pack, microfiber glass scrubbing cloth, and polishing now, now cloth. Now, I've told you people to use newspaper for cleaning your windows. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Exactly. So yes. it does say batteries are not included, so get a pack of oh, those right. to go with the uh, the e-cloth. That would be the <laughs> no, e I'm part. Sure there's that's, no batteries required. That's the joke. That's the joke part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. E. <laughs> well, if you are new to the show and you like what uh, you just heard and you want to get involved with it, well, it's very easy. You can do it the very next episode that we record, which will be a week from now. Every uh, every Thursday, we, re we are recording a new show. And you can get in on this. And, uh, and it's going to be a new topic next week. Don't know what it's going to be yet. Uh, and the best way to find out what the topic is going to be and how to join in on the Campfire Side Chat is to sign up for our newsletter. Uh, it's very easy to sign up for it. Uh, just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. You'll find a link to click and sign up, and it's just as easy to unsubscribe as it is to subscribe. We don't spam you. We don't email you a bunch. We don't even sell your information. It's like literally one email a week, if that even. Oh, no, Josh, I'm, uh, I'm sorry. We are selling the information now, so. Oh, we are? Oh, you can't, now? You can't Wait, say that. Well, you can't say that. Yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. No, it's uh, not at all, folks. But uh, if you don't uh, want to get on that, you can also follow us on Facebook. Uh, we send out links and notifications through there, uh, and you guys can sign up. And Well, to sign up, you can uh, click on the link and, and join in on the very next episode if you so want to. We highly encourage you to join in. Hope to have you soon. 
Well, that's it for the show this week, my fellow Cheaper. Until next week, be sure to stay tuned to the show and tell a friend we have some big news coming up. And as always, thank you for listening to the world's most downloaded Cheap Podcast. You know, I find it ironic that the colors red, white, and blue stand for freedom. That is until they are flashing behind you. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. I just uh, ordered some uh, microfiber, uh, I'm sorry, the e-cloths for the, uh, for the kitchen. I'm going to try them yeah, out in the kitchen. It. I'm going to love it. I'll see if it enhances, for you. enhances the and flavor listen, of bacon. If, if you guys need uh, tips or you want to know like which it. ones to order or whatever, just email me and I'll let you know what the best things are. Well, as a former it's rep, a can product. I get a discount? <laughs> yeah. Well, the former is the problem. <laughs> former is the problem, and I never got one when I repped it, so there you go. <laughs> but it's it's good stuff. I mean, and it lasts like 600 uses. So the cloth is, you know, a couple years you can use it. So it's pretty amazing. Pretty amazing stuff. Podcasting since 2010.